T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids. The Bernstein and Home Show. Lorenzo Neal, my man. You guys got me fired up this morning. I can't believe I'm on a roll. You guys just opened up the door and let me go. I'll tell you guys a story about the fullback position. I think it's almost like the... Un- For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Example? Example? Ogres are like onions. Look at the onion. It's the most disrespected fruit and vegetable. But when you want that good soup, you call on that onion. When you want that good hamburger, you call on that onion. That's like the fullback thing. Stink? Yes. No. Oh, they make you cry. No. Oh, you leave them out in the sun, they get all brown, start sprouting little white hairs. No. You want that good lead draw? You want that ISO? You call on the onion. When you want that dirty yard, when you want to go downhill, you call on that onion. Layers. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers. You get it. We both have layers. That's why I think the fullback position should be called the onion. Oh, you both have layers. You know, not everybody like onions. Onions, baby onions. Bernstein and Holt. Middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Ah, they write themselves sometimes. Adam Studzinski rises to the occasion with that. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Happy record-setting temperature Wednesday, possibly today and tomorrow. The world's all going to hell, so let's enjoy it while we can, right? You've really got to stop beginning shows like this. I'm happy. It's like you're falling out of the tunnel, running onto the football field, and then you just sit there and look around out of the metaphorical tunnel. (laughs) And you forget that there's a game. Or you're running out of the tunnel with the American flag. Yeah. And then you tear your Achilles. But then you decide you're going to take a roster spot because you're trying to still make everything about you. Speaking of Achilles, Sky Point from a man, Tony Brothers. I hope he's okay. Yeah. I really do. One of the the, the vet refs, one of the OG refs still currently working. He's he's so old, he was refing CBA games when I was calling him. Which means you're old. That is... uh, What's up, I, yours? I, I hope I hope Tony's all right, but that could be a, a career changer for him for sure. We've got Ray Diaz, we've got Adam Studzinski, whose hat matches Layla's dress in a way that is really, I don't know, satisfying. It's aesthetically satisfying. Adam's hat is is a shade of pink. 
but purple. Yeah, but it's all it's all the cancer um, yes. recognition colors. It's the it's the Bears version of the cancer hats that they wore this past Crucial season. Catch. So whatever, Crucial Catch, thank you. Whatever that little heliotrope is near the brim is just sort of perfect. Uh, Brandon Fryer is helping out as well. Connor O'Donnell, Kevin Lapka doing the things that they do here in the Bernstein and Holmes show. And, and Crucial Conflict. We've got it all set up for you today. Uh, Adam Hogan, join us 1125. We've got high noon, 1140. Carmen Vitale of uh, Fox Sports is going to join us. It says here, Carmen Vitale, former NFL quarterback. That, oh, my God. That I did not know. Way to call, call out my, my dumbass <laughs> I, typo. I, I thought that That's I, what I get. I thought I missed something. Uh, That's bowler. what I get. Hey, pro bowler. I gave her a new, a new skill yeah, set. Good. She's very talented wow. in a new way. That's cool. So, yeah, we get Carmi Cutlets, I believe, was, was her nickname back in the day. She actually probably wouldn't mind that. She likes Tommy DeVito. Yeah, like it's she. She talks about the the importance of cutlets all the time. We can have that conversation with her. Uh, Brandon Pope, uh, Emmy winning host, B Pope on the block at CW twenty six. He's also a quarterback. Got some exclusives. I believe coming he up. was a defensive lineman. In interviews with both Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren, and he's going to preview those conversations with us, maybe give you a little sneak preview of what they said at 1 o'clock today with uh, surprises along the way as well. Hey, in the middle of the barn. Sometimes I just do the show for Ray. I appreciate it, man. Okay. Crucial conflict on a Wednesday morning. I, I was yeah. like, didn't we just make a crucial conflict reference? Yeah, I wanted to finish it, punctuate. Shout I'm out to sorry. Crucial Conflict. I'm sorry. I saw a band. It was like a, a reggae band. At the Silver Room block party, and they covered that. Wow. Ray. That had to be amazing. Ray. 53rd and Harper was jumping. We were acting a fool. Amazing. It was so great. I think I have it. I'll show you during the break. I think I still have it on Instagram. Love that. Because we was out here like, what? You know what, guys? Yes. I don't know about you, but sometimes when people are like, hey, what's the best club you've been to? Occasionally, it's been a street in the middle of a street festival. Mm-hmm. It happens like that sometimes. So hopefully there'll be some some good ones this summer. My favorite music venue is right down the hall. I mean, that's pretty great. <laughs> of all of it, seriously, the best concerts that I'll, I, I can count the number of awesome shows standing two feet away from the performers for free, and then they do four songs. When you were gone, Layla and I went and watched Black Pumas in there. I've seen them in there. I've seen them in there. They're great. Dan and I have. So it was pretty cool to be able to walk over and spend a couple minutes just watching them perform to a a small venue. It's great. And then being able to... Like this is since people have been talking about it this past week with the anniversary of the Bears being in the Super Bowl, seeing Prince in a very small venue mm-hmm. during his his interview. Doing purple rain. No, in, no, no, no. Not no. That's a large venue, Dan. That's a football stadium. I'm talking about when he was oh, interviewing. The, the, yes. The, yes. The, 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 the pregame interview that turned into a 15 minute concert. And you're like, what just happened? Prince just played in here. You weren't expecting that at all. You guys had fun at the Bulls game last day? You were both there. I was at work. Oh, I thought you were you were at the game. Yes. You stayed for the game. I, said, I, I stayed for pre-game. a little bit of the game. I, when they were down 23, said, I'm going to bed. 
And I it was a mistake. And I well, I didn't. I went up to bed, and then I looked at my phone right before, and I'm like, oh, I gotta get out of bed. And I went, I went back down for the last three minutes of the fourth quarter in overtime. I'm like, okay, damn you, Bulls! I was this close. You pulled me back into consciousness, and I, I didn't want to be conscious. I was super entertained by that basketball game last night because you had some incredible shot making. You had some of the, I mean, Anthony Edwards, like, good God, man. Like, he, no, the, no, he's that. The destructive force with which he is trying to dunk your head into the rim on every time he goes to the basket is incredible. DeMar did DeMar things. Kobe woke up in the second half and just was amazing. It was quite the game over and, at the UC. And they played at the pace they always have to play. Whatever this build is, they've got to play at that pace. My hope is within a few hours that this is all blown up. <laughs> because this is this is that that let, let that be the home swan song and let that second half be the memory you have of whatever this could have been. It, it, I just feel like the asking price is too high on some of this. There, I would love, I would love to see you get first round picks multiple for Alex Caruso. I just don't see that happening. They, the value of the respective pieces to the team are so high. It's almost like a Dylan C situation for the White Sox. Like just because they bring the most value to you doesn't mean the league might necessarily think so. I don't think it matters. I, I, the value to the Bulls doesn't matter. The Bulls aren't going anywhere. This isn't there. There is. There's no the the actual value is minimal. I will say this. Like I, I recognize the same thing you did, Dan, when it came to. That's the only way they got back in this game. If if you're down twenty plus to one of the best defensive teams in the league, yep. tied for the lead in the Western Conference, and you have somebody who is just an absolute sniper on the other side who can knock down a three at will that will put his team back in the game like Cat can. You've got to play with that pace. So the goal, at least, when Kevin McHale told us about the Rockets in, like, 2013-14 was six seconds down the court, I feel like Bulls were going at, like, a five, five, four, like, four-and-a-half pace. Like, it was even faster than that. Kobe pushes that, but he can't be the only one. The problem is that they can't sustain it. That ideally there that was the whole goal like coming into the season was for them to increase pace to be a a team that shot more threes that they can't consistently shoot well enough for them to play like that and yes you could increase volume in in a lot of cases but in some cases we see that their offense will just bog down or Vooch had a, a pretty good shooting night last night He's had a bunch of really bad shooting nights throughout the season this year that's, I think, dragged them down from the a higher level of mediocrity. But I think that that's where they're stuck, is in this place of, I don't know how it gets better even with the same group. And the group of guys is super lovable. Last night, and I've, I've been there and I've seen it multiple times, I, I've never timed it, but I was wondering... DeMar usually finishes his warm-ups. He was like sitting right in front of me. He finishes his warm-ups, and then he goes to the tunnel, and then he throws an alley-oop to Andre Drummond. Like, that's kind of, that's like, once we get the alley-oop down, then I can go back and, and settle and get ready for the game. So it took him like four or five times to make the connection. And then I looked over as I was starting my show. DeMar was still signing autographs for people, like in the tunnel. You know, kids were, like, running from the other end of the court 
to try to get him to sign something. And I'm like, wow, does, is is he looking at this as like maybe this is his last opportunity to do this with the folks at the United Center? I I I adore DeMar. I would love for him to stay a bull. But I also know that I, I don't think that it's necessarily fair to DeMar or Caruso or to Andre Drummond to ask them to stay here in a situation where your best outcome is being the seventh seed and winning the play-in and then getting demolished in a playoff series. I, I think that you have to kind of kickstart whatever your reboot is going to be. Yeah, and it unfortunately just makes the Vooch signing and extension come into question. It's especially pertinent at the trade deadline when that's when he was acquired. Also for a first-round pick, as we recall. And I just want to know, how were you going to build around him? Because when you've committed to your center being the one-way player that he is primarily, and he's changing his game in a way that that we i don't know that it's ideal like he doesn't want to be in the post as much per se i don't know that he's verbalized that but it just looks that way based on what we're seeing it it just brings up a lot of questions you know what i was thinking about last night do you guys remember where you were and what we were talking about four years ago <sighs> what year was that in yes 20, i do because i failed back up on my phone 2019 it's, t- no. it's 2020 i don't remember what i did yesterday it's four years ago this is oh, 2024. Right you you don't remember what was going on in the city back then? Okay. Well, we were not at March was the shutdown, right? Right. But before that, was that the All Star game? Was there that, you was go. That fire, fire Gar Packs. Yes. Right. Right at Navy Pier. That was Fire Gar Packs. It was Fire, it was fire and, Gar and, Packs on national television. And Zach was laughing and and nervously. Here we are. And the yeah. attendance. And that's the attendance a great head. one-two punch that the Bulls have. Now we got to look at, okay, we said that Kobe White probably should continue to come off of the bench. He's a, he's a, he's a guy that is explosive offensively off of the bench. But what if this could happen every night right. where these guys both are in? Yeah, honeymoon's over. Honeymoon's long over and the, the marriage is teetering. It's not great because there, there just hasn't been motivation to do anything other than be in the play-in and be a, what did he say, a tough out? Yeah, I, I don't I don't feel like, I think if in the first year or the second year, you love hearing that. I think at this point, I don't think that that, that doesn't drive fans to believe like that, that it, it's the same thing. It's the same thing where it's like, well, if everything goes right and yet almost everything has gone wrong, during this, and it's not the fault of the Bulls that the injury stuff has happened. Yeah, but it's your job then, once the injury stuff happens, to to find a different path. Correct. You've got to be flexible. You've got to be forward thinking. And you, and you and, can't you can't sit in the sadness of we had this great plan and it can't work because yeah, so guys what? are injured. You have to then move on and figure out how to make things work. Yeah, wa- wallowing forward. doesn't win anything. Fast forward to a year later, and what are we talking about? Two years later. I remember talking with you two and others at the beginning of the season saying they didn't have enough two-way players on this team. Mm -hmm. And that was a real concern. And you remember you and I, Dan, talked with Gelsey about why you signed Zach to the max and the asset protection concept. Not to mention where we had Patrick Williams still projected to the higher ranges of development. And I always 
paused at that too because of the same reason you pause at putting all your hopes and dreams into one single player because of how your roster around him is constructed. Like you, you can wish for the the unicorn to save everybody and suddenly become all the things you need in life. That was, however, time. right? But that's it. It was it was supposed to be based on a three and D guy, another two way player. So your best one of your best, arguably two way players that was supposed to have the most minutes was injured. Your other one, notoriously, we know got injured during the season often, and he wasn't going to play a whole a whole 82-game rip. And they never got rim protection, which meant that the entire basis of your defense was going to be pressuring ball screens in the point of attack with two elite defenders. One elite defender is probably never going to play again, and the other one usually plays about 50 games a season and maybe 40 of those in perfect health. It was so, nice to see him get up some shots, though, because I, I didn't think that Lonzo Ball was going to get to that point. Yeah, I saw him in practice. I saw him with my own eyes. He's real. He was there. He just hasn't started running yet. I, that part, I, I mean, I, I don't really care about that. I I was worried about whether or not he'd have a good quality of life. And the, the thought of him even playing basketball again, to me, has been so remote that seeing him doing basketball activities was, like, good for him. Like, that's, that's, that's already a victory. It just doesn't really help the Bulls, which it, is the problem. It looked cathartic. Like, I imagine that's a very cathartic thing to do. Um, Speaking of all of that, I sat down with DeMar DeRozan earlier in the week because he's considered one of the first elite players to talk about mental health. And shortly after he did, the NBA Players Association created their mental health and wellness program. We got to play some of the interview on Bulls pregame live last night. But they were kind enough to give me all the audio if we want to play it here. I think that we should do we that. Do. I think it's super important stuff. And from what I saw, you did a terrific job. So let's share the full interview. You're going to hear from DeMar DeRozan in a way that you've never heard him before. And that's thanks to our partner, Layla Rahimi. That's next. Bernstein, Holmes, Rahimi on the score. Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. You know, this is his 15th year in the league. I don't think there's any question that whenever he decides to stop playing, he's going to go in the Hall of Fame, right? And he's just a, an incredibly, incredibly smart player. He's very competitive and he wants to win. There are things that he does do that I would consider an outlier to the NBA. One way of putting it, Billy Donovan before the season with Parkinson Spiegel talking about DeMar DeRozan, who was also the subject of some conversation that the three of us had with both Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley when they were here in studio with us on the performance stage. And DeMar DeRozan is an interesting, complicated, and and old soul. He is. And frankly, we all are in a way. We all have multitudes. We all have layers. And... For those of you who might not be familiar with a previous discussion we had on this show, it was April 22 when the article came out in the Washington Post talking about DeMar DeRozan tweeting in 2018 a line from the Kevin Gates song, Tomorrow, saying this depression got the best of me. And what he didn't realize, like so many of us, was that moment on Twitter really started a movement. 
It was shortly after that that the NBA Players Association created their health and wellness program. Kevin Love credits him with being one of the first elite players in the NBA to speak out, and that's what inspired him to talk about the importance of mental health. In that article in the Post, executives from that Players Association program say that they discovered essentially that half of the league isn't happy because your life can look one way, but that doesn't make up for the traumas that you went through as a child. And I'm talking to anybody who needs to hear this right now. So to me, in February, the most important history somebody can make is improving someone else's daily life. That their life is better because somebody did something that actually meant something. So that's the place where I was coming from when I got to talk with Damar earlier this week. So I think I do want to start with when you posted on Twitter, the Kevin Gates line, the yeah. depression has the best of me. Did you realize it was going to resonate with so many people? Um, no, I, I really didn't, to be honest with you. It was, it was, a, it was an actual feeling that I was feeling in that moment and how I felt. Like, you know, and the only way in that moment I could express it was, you know, relating with a song and the lyrics. And, you know, I tweeted it, you know, I woke up the next day, you know, feeling good until I looked at my phone and realizing, you know, what what, what have I just started, you know, and it, and, and it, and it kind of was a, a blessing in disguise, me doing it because it, it, it opened me up and helped me realize so much for myself and so much empathy for the outside world of people just going through so much. And with that, it just put me in a position of understanding how to help not just myself, but others others in the process. I feel like there's been so much that's happened since then. Yeah, you're considered one of the first people at your level in the NBA to speak up about mental health. Jerry West, of course, talked about it, but it was a different time. Mm -hmm. What did it mean to you to be somebody people look to as saying he plays on this level and he's able to talk about something that hadn't been discussed before. It was it meant a lot. It was it was beyond, you know, something that I ever could imagine of people just being thankful. Uh, you know, the gratitude that I gained from it was was something that, you know, to this day is it's tough to put in words because you you really don't in, understand the impact that you have on people until you, you know, become vulnerable yourself. You know, and it, it allows other people to be vulnerable. And it shows, you know, the gateway that you can open to, you know, the reality of things that we deal with. I think it's always an important message to say today, four years ago, 20 years ago, just because this is how my life looks doesn't mean I'm not going through the same things. Mm -hmm. How do you internalize that and how do you try to communicate that? Um, one, I always try to give, you know, a, a certain level of empathy and respect because, you know, I, I, you never know what the next person going through. You never know what conversation you can have with a person to help their day be better, to carry on to help the next person day be better. You know, it becomes a chain reaction because it's not a day that I get up where I don't realize or I look at somebody like, you know, we all going through something, some type of way. So with me, I always try to figure out, even if it's coming in at work, you know, if guy's tired, what type of light of positivity that I could be, you know, and with that, it, it allows people to be more vulnerable and have those tough conversations to relieve, uh, relieve any type of stress that they may, may be carrying. So for me, it's just one of those things that, you know, um, I try to give the same energy and, and, and respect that I want, you know, for myself. And the more that's given, 
the more people don't feel like they're being judged or they got to hide behind some type of tough shield. Um, and they'll let it out, you know, organically, and that's the best way. What inspired you to speak up? Um, a selfish moment for myself expressing my frustration and what it was that I was going through allowed me to realize something bigger than just myself. So, you know, it was never a conscious decision when, you know, starting with the tweet, me thinking like, you know, I'm going to speak out on this topic. You know, um, it was just me having an impulsive thought that led to Twitter <laughs> that, you know, made me say, you know what, you know, it made me look at myself in a different light with a different type of confidence of, let me share this. This is why. And it led to so much more than I, I ever could imagine. I mean, I definitely understand the impulsive thoughts on Twitter. I've been there. Yeah. When NBA players talk to you about this, fellow players, what's the, been some of what they've told you about what you've helped contribute? I mean, just them being more open. You know, we carry this, this Superman cape so much, you know, at work, TV, after games, before games. If you have a bad game, um, dealing with family, personal stuff. Um, we deal with so much. So when I'm able to talk to, you know, my, my, my peers, it's, it's like a norm. You know, it's normalizing being human. You know, and that's what makes me feel good about me being able to speak up about something that I went through because guys look at it like, you know, if he could do it, I could do it. I, I have a story too, and it's not even just me. It's just all our stories are so impactful to not just to us, just to, you know, our friend, our fans, our, our family, people who really don't get a chance to really understand uh, a lot of things that we may go through. So it's just more so guys just feeling human and, you know, putting the cape down when it comes to us having conversations. When you started this process, what was some of the best advice or maybe one of the favorite things that you've received uh, being more attentive to your mental health? Um, just accept the process, you know, accepting the process. And when I say that, it's just you, you're still going to continue to have rough days, rough, rough situations. Don't let that, you know, bring you down and put you back in that negative, dark place. You're going to have bad days, but understand why you are having a bad day and try to address those things to combat it with something, whether if it's, you know, physical fitness, if it's, you know, something to kind of replenish yourself with a, with a, with a positive, you know, mm -hmm. affirmation, you know, whatever that may be, you know, it's different things for, you know, different people. You know, mine has always been physical fitness, sometimes just working out, you know, you know, exerting yourself, kind of get the blood flowing and you know you feel relaxed like you got something off your shoulders some people like to read watch something funny you know every night before I go to sleep I always try to find something funny to watch and you know go to sleep you know with a peaceful you know grin on my face you know what I mean you sleep better you know what I mean so it's just whatever's whatever's for you you know find that one of my favorite things about the NBA is how they're at the front of causes like this mm -hmm. whether it's mental health it's advocacy that mental health and wellness program was created shortly after you brought that that thought and that discussion to the public. What do you think of how the league has responded to you and to so many other players? I, I always always thought we had the best league. You know, Adam Silver is, is for the players. Uh, he listened and some like that. How fast they took action and prioritizing that speaks values to our to our association of you know how much they really care for the players you know, and, and, and tending to whatever our needs are. 
um, on down the line with every single thing. And, you know, addressing something like that just speaks volumes um, to the lead that we in and kind of, you know, show the other leads, you know, whether it's baseball, football, whatever it may be, the importance of, you know, protecting our mental health because we go through so much. You know, people think it's just always, you know, roses and, and pretty days, but it's tough. You know, it's hard a lot of times dealing with, you know, come with being a, a athlete, being, you know, coming from nothing, all of a sudden having millions of dollars, um, the attention, you know, um, the, the constant, you know, you know, negative, negative stuff we hear from fans or, you know, something go bad, whatever it may be, you know, um, it, it, it gets, it gets rough on it at times. Well, and grief is cyclical. It's not linear, you know, and I think that's one of the things that you've gone through grief. Yeah. How have you been able to positively deal with it the way like you talk about? Um, you got to have a great supporting cast, you know, um, great family, friends, people who, you know, you feel like is there for you. You know, um, that's the best feeling you can have, just having a support system, you know, family, friends, and leaning towards them when things get rough, you know, and I think for me, that was one thing that was beneficial for me. Creating a community. Yeah. Um, also, I know you're not ready to retire yet. I know you get jokes about being old. Yeah. But you've developed this legacy on the court for being one of the leading scorers in the NBA. But what does it mean to you to have been part of something so big off of it? Um, it means everything because, you know, being a kid growing up in Compton, I never could fathom or imagine anything on the court or off the court where I'd be having such an impactful, impactful um, lengthy career, you know, it's, it's something I would never take for granted. It's something that, you know, it's, it's, I wake up every single day and happy I'm able to do what I'm, what I'm able to do, you know, being a fan of, of, of the game since I was a, a kid, to be able to be a part of the game um, means the world to me. And to be a part of the culture, to change the culture surrounding it. I think that's so impactful. It definitely is impactful. And like I said, it's still something that, that, you know, still humbles me to this day that I still can't believe. And, you know, that's the kid feeling that I I, I still love about just being a part of this whole, whole, whole thing. Terrific job. That's important stuff. Thanks. He shared it before, so I knew it was probably something that, uh, you know, different audiences, and, and he just added so much to the conversation yesterday. A little different perspective than even what we had discussed previously. I, I love wanna... the question about grief because we know that that's something that he dealt with, and he he's talked about it in other interviews, like trying to figure out like how he felt about all sorts of things because of grief. So I'm glad that you asked him about that. Also, thanks for to you and whoever at NBC Sports Chicago allowed us to run that in full. I don't Bulldog. know what kind of favors you had to call in. Thanks to Bulldog or any, Kevin Anderson. Any, anybody else who was involved in the decision making there because radio is different from TV. And it, it's to, to hear it uninterrupted like that is is really meaningful. There's so much going on in there and there's so much important stuff. And I'm, I'm really I'm thankful to DeMar and to Kevin Love because it's it, when when I've had the the privilege of being able to speak about mental health and I've done it in large part with with my wife who has shared her story about the on you know daily battle with bipolar 2 I talk about chronic and acute anxiety and being on the OCD spectrum and when he says everybody's dealing with something 
It's true. And it doesn't necessarily have to be officially diagnosed for that to be the case. So understanding that and knowing that the destigmatization effort is gaining traction because of the courage of people like DeMar DeRozan, we're, we're getting there. We, we really are. I do think that we've, we've crossed some important points thanks to people in sports and thanks to people with different backgrounds. And listen, traditional thought process dictated that suffering made you stronger. I certainly grew up thinking that as well. And it wasn't a blame point. It was that that's what we thought made us better. And in it some was cases, how much you were putting up with. Some cases it can, but in most cases. No. And, and in the most daily, cases it just sucks. And the daily practice of empathy. What you're hearing here is somebody who is better. He had a career year with the Bulls two seasons ago at the age of 32 because he addressed this stuff. I also you're think better. his example that Andre Drummond followed. Yes. Late last season when when Drummond also similarly recognized an issue, sought help, and spoke about it, and right now is playing some of the best basketball of his career. Evidence dictates your favorite player is better when they do the work, when they address this stuff. We, you know, it's the old traditional stereotypes of, oh, when they got married, blah, blah, blah. No. Like, this is, you get better. You're a better person. And, we, and those of us who have been to therapy, and, and we, it's a practice. It is not something you nail by any means. You can tell he's done the work. And the daily practice of empathy and the satisfaction you get from, from being able to address your needs through addressing the needs of others, I just thought was so salient. Let's talk some more about this. There's some other things that I want to follow up on with you about that interview and some of the things that... DeMar said, and it's attached to some things I was hearing last night at the United Center about the importance of certain people on rosters. We'll discuss that next. Bernstein, Holmes, Rahimi here till two on the score. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670. You never know what the next person going through. You never know what conversation you can have with a person to help their day be better, to carry on to help the next person day be better. You know, it becomes a chain reaction because it's not a day that I get up where I don't realize or I look at somebody like, you know, we all going through something, some type of way. DeMar DeRozan on NBC Sports Chicago with Layla Rahimi, who is in today on the Bernstein and Holmes show and brought in the full sound of that interview. Thanks. I think, I think people need to hear that. After digesting it, because I know that like you were in mode, like you were in like reporter mode, you're sitting there trying to do a great interview. After digesting it, what did you walk away with? Uh, selfishly, just some really good advice. If if you want to know the truth, because I I've studied this for a long time. Um, I think you know that. Like, I, there was a time where when I had more hours in my day, I spent a couple hours on a on the day on the process because I needed to answer some truths about my deficiencies in my life and the choices that I had made and what I thought was innate was really uh, you know, just stuff that's subconscious where I'm trying to resolve something. Like, that's, that's the thing. Your brain will play tricks on you, and you're going to work it out and suffer until you address it. Like, that's all proven behavioral science. So selfishly for me, when I just said, what's some of the best advice you got? And he said, accept the process. 
accept the process. Like, know you're going to have your bad days and your good days. And trying to understand why you're having a bad day. Right. And don't criminalize that, right? Like, don't say, I'm having a bad day, therefore I need to, you know, that's going to define you. Acknowledge it and understand that it will pass. But that like, if you, it's okay to say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious right now, or I'm unhappy right now, but that doesn't mean you're locked into feeling that way. You're absolutely entitled to move out of that, and you, and know that you will. Right. Like we're not, we're not brands in that manner. Like you don't have to stay on brand with something that's going on inside of you. And I think the messages around us dictate the opposite. The other piece of this is. I was in Sherman, Texas, which is just about an hour north of Dallas, when Terrell Owens had the suicide attempt. And his publicist famously saying at the end of it, Terrell has 25 million reasons to live. And that discussion is just held by so many people, that thought. And DeMar has, when I say he's gone through grief, I didn't. He, it's up to him if he wants to bring it up in that space. But when you have family members and friends die because of violence. And when you hear that half the league is unhappy because they haven't, they haven't dealt with their grief in their life and what they've seen. And then suddenly you have this huge change in lifestyle just because you see what you're seeing, like successful at their job, which they've learned how to do for years up to that point. And that's any job or any trade. And then also to be good at it enough to make money. Money doesn't dictate happiness in this respect. Money doesn't dictate peace. And I don't know if we ever say it ever. Does it help you afford your life and can it be a problem? Of course the lack of money is a problem. Absolutely. Like having the necessities is the most important thing. But just because you might have more money, that doesn't mean that everything's fine. Right. And like the famous phrase, like when there's drama, look for trauma. When somebody's, and he talked about that in the post. He said, I was lashing out. Well, why were you lashing out? Because you had some horrible stuff happen to you earlier in your life. And you thought that you, you know, were too rich to address it. Or like you were ungrateful if you did. No, no. People have multitudes. I'm thinking, but there's a, there's a great line from Fonte. I want to get it right, but. He basically talks about like being emotionally like caught in a storm and then having the survivor's guilt of surviving that storm. Like it was metaphor, but it it, it speaks to it. Like there are all this there are all these different things and ways that we are we take the feedback from the outside world and we're trying to work through it all. And there's so many different landmines that you can walk or run into when you're trying to figure out what's the best way to go about your life and trying to be the, the best person that you can be. I also think it's important to recognize how many skilled and sensitive professionals are there who know things and can apply things and have been trained to help you through this stuff. It's not voodoo. It's science. And there are there are so many smart and empathetic people who have no who it's you we tend to think that our complicated minds are so unique and like nobody knows 
how I feel. Nobody knows what I'm dealing with. Yeah, yeah, people do. People absolutely can understand if the conversation is fruitful and honest. They absolutely have ways to make you feel better. That you can build on to give you the ability to make yourself feel and function better. The idea of it is frightening to people because it's hard to understand. And it's hard because if somebody has a broken arm, they can x-ray it, they can set it, they can cast it, and you know that there's that there's been people, there are just like that, there are people trained to deal with exactly what you are going through. All I, I think I just want to stress is, you know, we always joke about the phrase like, well, I went through blah, 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 and I turned out fine. Well, did you? Right. Like, I used to say it all the time, too. But it's like, did you? And usually the answer is no. You think you survived it. And that's important. Like, that's really important that whatever you know, trauma that you went through, like, you survived it. But that doesn't mean that you're over it. And it, and it, and it doesn't mean that you're necessarily better for it. The most important part is you're here. Like, you're here. And that, that, that should be celebrated and applauded. But then take that and go, okay, how can it be better? And how can I make sure that I don't, I don't intentionally or unintentionally or do that to someone else? Yeah, and it's again, it's it's a practice, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a practice of mental health. Like I I take yoga, like yoga is a practice, well, right? And, and, Some and, days you're not going to be good at your pose. Like your workout's not going to be as good. <laughs> it's a practice. That's and, that's kind of my point. The other thing is medication works. It it also it takes time to find the right cocktail for a lot of people. And it does take some trial and error sometimes. And it takes some consultation and it takes a very open and honest conversation with your 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 healthcare providers, but medication works. Well, all of it to me was just super important because uh, the NBA is at the front of these things. And the NBA forces people to face something that might make them feel uncomfortable, but typically later results in some pretty wonderful things. And the reason I think in part that we talk about the level of play in this league and why we're unsatisfied with what we've seen out of out of the play out of some of the teams that we've seen is because the whole league is so good and you can't tell me that this isn't part of the reason not only once you get there you are you going to be paid well and you're going to be compensated but you're also going to have actual other people in place who care about you and what demar said about being exemplary to major league baseball and to football and hopefully also the nhl when it's in front of you like this and the popularity is what it is, it's really hard to argue with the process if you're any one of those others. Let's take a timeout. We're going to take a bit of a right turn as we talk about the quarterback situation here in Chicago. There is a, a little piece of news, though, that people might find interesting on that front. Ooh. We will share it next. Bernstein Holmes, Rahimi on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Uh, I trade Justin Fields and trade Caleb Williams. You kind of get that that salary relief for another couple of years. But I also think Caleb Williams, um, man, he, he looks like one of these kind of generational type of talents. So I think you go with Caleb Williams and you do try and trade Justin Fields for, you know, I think you can get uh, a pretty good penny for him. That's Jake Laser, also who has been very upfront and open about his mental health battles. He even wrote a book about it, I believe. He did. It's funny at this the the Super Bowl four years ago, I talked with him about it. Yeah, so that's he's been a, a real champion of the the mental health discussion. And I think he's done a lot of good by a lot of people and has also reached out to NFL players in this regard and has partnered with NFL players in telling some of their stories too. So he's a real ally when it comes to the stuff that we've been discussing, just a side note. But that does seem to be conventional wisdom about the Bears' plan. But but can we question the wisdom for a second? I, I, don't, I don't like that that's been used as a reason why you should trade Justin Fields. Because the truth is, is that there really isn't a ton of salary relief in year one. Justin Fields costs $6 million. What do you think Caleb Williams is the number one overall pick is going to cost in the first year? Like, similar money. More, than, more than he was in his rookie season, obviously. More than Justin Fields was. Fields would sign a four-year, $18 million deal, I want to say. And he was, what, pick number 11? Yeah, whatever the number one slot is yeah the slot is just I I just wish that people would say instead of trying to to talk you into like the business aspect of it say that you're really excited and he did Jay says that at the end of it say that you're really excited about what Caleb Williams can be like the concept of oh well you know the salary relief it's negligible for reference Bryce Young's rookie contract for last year was a 6.9 million dollar cap hit so you got to imagine this year to go up slightly yeah and he and next year, which means this, which this, means this that Justin would actually be cheaper than Caleb Williams for year one, because I think Justin's due six million dollars this year. We're talking against the cap or how much he's owed? How much he's owed? Justin Fields is owed cash 
cash AEV for this next year is five million. His cap hit is also five million. So he is cheaper in year one. That's what I was just saying. What was the piece of news? With Excuse which me, six million, okay. six million cap hit, four million dollars oh, due for and cash. Still AEV. cheaper. Still cheaper. The piece of news comes from our buddy Mike Florio. Headline reads: Art Rooney II get... doesn't rule out trading for a quarterback. So if you were thinking, hey. One team is eliminated from this process, the Raiders, because Luke Getze is there as their coordinator. And he got and the not, job by trashing Justin Fields. Can we not, talk about that for a second? Sure. They're not going to trade for Justin Fields more than likely. You let one game dictate that entire decision-making process? Has that person ever heard of permanent decision based on temporary feeling? Back to last night's Bulls game. Okay, sorry. Yes, Lawrence? Florio writes, the Steelers quote, still feel good about quarterback Kenny Pickett. They might eventually feel even better about someone else. Speaking to Bob Pompani of KDKA TV, Steelers President Art Rooney II did not rule out pursuing a veteran quarterback in trade. Quote, well, you know, as we sit here in February, we're not closing the door on anything. We have a lot of evaluations to go through, and we'll go through all the options and do what we need to do to do better and be better this coming season. Close quote. That doesn't mean they'll trade for a quarterback. It also doesn't mean it's a no-brainer that Pickett will be the QB1. The overriding goal is to indeed get better, especially on offense. Pickett has done nothing special, frankly, during his two NFL seasons. Don't listen to this part, Joe Cowley, to make him the clear-cut starter in 2024. The Steelers also have ongoing interest in Mason Rudolph, who played surprisingly well down the stretch for the Steelers and who held the job even after Pickett recovered from an ankle injury. So... If you're thinking, okay, what type of, of of capital could the Bears get if they trade Justin Fields? You got to find suitors and ideally multiple suitors if you want to get the highest return for trading Justin Fields. Throw the Steelers onto the list of teams. You mean to tell me that the NFL, which we have maintained, gatekeeps everything, every slight tiny piece of information, might be keeping mom about Justin Fields and the value that he would bring to their team. Because they don't want the team that doesn't think he has as much value to ask for more. Lying season. Wow. I, for one, am shocked that other teams value him. I'm shocked zero. I always say this. This is a rule now in modern media. Never miss a mailbag. Ever. Never, ever, ever miss a mailbag. Things find their way into mailbags that may be outside or beyond the regular filtration of the way media works and or reporters who would feel comfortable putting a headline on something or putting a lead on something sometimes say, I'm going to put this out there that way I can make sure that I say I had this, but it's sort of under the radar. Easter egg. Easter egg. Brad Biggs published a mailbag today with the Tribune, and he does a lot of this. Never miss a Biggs mailbag because – one thing I've learned about the way the Tribune print edition works and the way they do – Biggs basically writes a couple of things a week of massive volume, and then it's excerpted and reused as content on their platforms throughout the week. The very first question is Cliff Kingsbury to the Washington Commanders has led to a lot of speculation the Bears will trade uh, the uh, – it says – he means the Commanders will trade up for Caleb Williams. Do you believe this? Or will the Bears stay put? So there's a lot of words here, and he unpacks everything about trade value 
and talks about new commanders, GM Adam Peters, what his connections are, what his motivations are. And he, Biggs says, I don't believe Poles could get the kind of package he received from the Panthers when he swapped out. The Bears moved down eight spots. They'd only be dropping one in this scenario. And he says, if Williams is the top quarterback when the Bears set their board, I don't see how they consider a trade with the Commanders. How could a team that's been seeking a franchise quarterback for decades pass on the chance to draft its top-rated quarterback? They have the top pick. There's no way of telling where they'll be drafting next year or what next year's quarterback class will look like. It's counterintuitive to think there's a better route. The only scenario in which I could see a slight possibility the Bears would consider a trade is if they had very similar grades on their top two quarterbacks, a virtual coin flip. But the chances of this happening seem remote. For a franchise that's been dogged for so long by inadequate quarterback play to get cute and not simply turn in a card with their top-ranked quarterback's name on it would border on football malpractice. And he goes to the Bears' ignominious quarterbacking history and mentioning picking Willie McClendon instead of Joe Montana and Trubisky over Mahomes or, and losing the chance to draft Terry Bradshaw, trading away Bobby Lane, whether that matters to you. And he quotes a veteran front office man who has worked with Peters before, who says, you need to slow everyone down on this bleep. Adam Peters has never talked to Caleb Williams. Neither has Ryan Poles, for that matter. People need to stop trying to connect all the dots because most of those dots haven't even been put on paper yet. I I would disagree with that assessment of things. There have been plenty of dots that have been connected already. Are you kidding? His social media alone. It's fine. How the many other, posts are you going to like, Caleb Williams? The other thing is that How there, many? there are other NFL executives that think that the Bears could get a really great return on trading the number one pick. And it doesn't have to be to Washington. One only needs to look at the draft board itself and say there are other teams in similar positions as Carolina was last year that need a quarterback. Picking seventh this year, the Tennessee Titans. Maybe they have their guy, but maybe they don't. And it is a new coach that's going in there now. Picking eighth are the Atlanta Falcons. They would also be another place that you could look for, perhaps, to trade Justin Fields. Well, then you could get more because you're moving down that's, more. Do you that's know, my point. Do you know how many Falcons fans are online on multiple platforms talking about how much they want Justin Fields? Yeah. Jets fans talk about, like... Man, and it, I mean the, the thing is that it's similar to it's similar to the Caleb Williams thing, where maybe you don't want to go home. Like if you're Justin, maybe going home to Atlanta is not the best option. That might for be you. some pressure. But but if we were to look a little farther down the draft board, we would see the Minnesota Vikings sitting there at eleven. Granted, you probably don't want to trade him into the division, but if they came to you with, hey, why don't we give you a whole bunch of first round picks? And trade and drafting behind them at number twelve is Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. I'm not saying that what this person is 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 saying isn't the most likely thing to happen, but the idea in in a draft where everyone clearly wants Caleb Williams and there's a multitude of need on on a bunch of different teams that are drafting lower than when the where the Carolina Panthers were last year. I don't know how you can say that as an absolute, 
that no one's going to make that move from 7, 8, 11, or 12 to try to get the number one pick. Well, Especially when you saw it happen at 9 last year. Here's also the other under- thing. Don't tell us that we're making things up when the entire discussion about hiring coaches and offensive coordinators has been married to the quarterback. What in the damn hell are we talking about here? Of course, we're all going to ask questions when you hire Cliff Kingsbury, who is famously without a job and working at USC as an assistant to a guy who's known to also be an offensive mind. And already had a job and then... Right, but Cliff Kingsbury got hired because he's the one who recruited Patrick Mahomes out of high school. Like, the reason that Luke Getze got hired here was because of his proximity to Aaron Rodgers. That's the whole discussion now. So what in the hell are they saying? Yeah, we're going to connect the dots. You can tell me they're not on paper. That's fine. Who are you going to believe? You are my eyes. The other caveat I would put in with this is when we talk about everything changing so fast with NIL and with the, the with college football falling apart, for lack of a better term, major revenue college sports are changing faster than the NCAA can keep up, faster than the law can keep up, faster than Congress can write laws to keep up. Hell, Dartmouth's basketball team just unionized. We even talked about that and the, and the ripple effect. They're now employees. The, the DECA, they are now employees per they, the NLRB. They've that, been employees. That when you start talking about uh, uh, this longtime veteran NFL personnel guy, you're likely talking about a crusty old fart that doesn't even know how to think about where things are now, let alone where things are going. There's so many executives themselves caught flat-footed because they don't get it, because they don't understand what it means when something is on Instagram or something is liked or who's talking to whom. That They're uncomfortable with all of this, and they're saying, well, it doesn't mean anything. That just means I don't understand it. We're or, seeing I don't one. Know. We're right. seeing one. Right. One or, or agent, the dark. we're seeing one agent lar- largely run all of the coaching decisions, not only for this team, but in the NFL. And you mean to tell me it's not connected? Count Sam. This to to a, a texter. Th- thanks, Big Z. This talk the Bears could get a major haul. People are talking about moving down one spot as a pipe dream. Let me help you out, 847. The Bears are under no obligation to trade the pick to Washington. They don't have to do the bidding like it like let's say I, I don't this is not the case, but let's say that Caleb Williams really wants to go to Washington and he makes it known that he doesn't want to play for the Bears. The Bears don't have to trade him to Washington. They don't have to trade the, the rights to the number one pick to Washington. They can make it someone else's problem. They can trade it to Denver. They don't have to go one to two. So just keep that in mind that this isn't like it's not zero sum between those two teams. And it's there not the Bears' other... responsibility to make their life easier. Correct. Yeah. yeah, that's the part of this that I have the disconnect with. And frankly, the reason that we discuss the logical thought that Caleb Williams is probably getting drafted by the Bears comes down to logistics. In this case, it's it's almost, to me, void of the value of Justin Fields because to them it's all numerical process and years and based on time. It's not even based on production right now is what we're talking about. I think it's time is the driving variable here. It's whose jobs are lasting longer because of this draft pick. How many times have you gotten the first overall pick? How many years are left with the current quarterback you have? What How are, many offensive coordinators has this team seen that they've fired, by the way? What are you willing to risk? See, I think 
for polls, the the bigger risk is Fields, not Williams. Yes, because it's not his guy, and we don't know how he feels about that, by the way. If, if he were to ride with Justin in this, like maybe their evaluation isn't as high as, as everyone else's. I doubt that, but maybe it is. That's a that's a risk. You're rolling dice on Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields. And if things don't go well next year with those two guys, how do you then go to your bosses and say, yes, I stuck with the head coach mm-hmm. that had question marks about him. I stuck with the quarterback that had question marks about him. If he drafts Caleb Williams, everything's fresh and new. Everything's cool. You've probably got at least three years, regardless of Matt Eberflus, because you're trying to bring about a new quarterback. That's That right there is the, the play that keeps you employed for a lot longer. But if you really believe in Justin, like if you have looked over the tape and you've talked with your people and you said, all right, this is going to work now because we have the right guy in Shane Waldron. It's it's a hell of a risk for Ryan Poles to take. Something to keep in mind. You know, it kind of foreshadows our one o'clock segment, by the way, because Poles is is more transparent than the GM we saw in the past for sure. And Brandon Pope got to talk to him and Kevin Warren. Like I think that this all it all matters when when you get more access with people, you learn about their thought process better. Well, we're gonna get to talk with Adam Hoke. Our guy from CHGO talks bears with us next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That's a tease for all you listeners out there. Stay tuned. Adam Hogg says. Adam Hogg, Bears beat writer for CHGO Sports. What's up, everyone? My name's Adam Hogg. This is the CHGO Bears podcast. We just need to kick Adam Hodge off the show and let him come back on Tuesday. Host of the Hogue and John's podcast. Mark Tressman's face just popped up on my computer, by the way. Adam Hogue. Adam Hoagie or Hogg? Excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. With Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on 670 The Score. Adam Hogue is on Twitter at Adam Hogue. Host at CHGO Chicago, the Hogue and Johns podcast. He is with us on the Circus Sports Hotline. Download the Circus Sports app today. That is Circus Sports Illinois. He's on Radio Row. So he joins us now. Always check out twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 the score as well. Set the scene for us. What's it like? Well, I think we are uh, fully post pandemic back to the craziness of Radio Row. It Got a little weird there for a couple of years with like virtual interviews. Even when you were here, you were doing some virtual interviews and now it's just full blown, you know, the, the craziness it's always been. And obviously here on Wednesday is when it gets super crazy. There's more people around, more athletes walking around. Um, so it should be a fun day down here in Vegas. When is the deadline or the over under in the week set for when somebody gets in a fight? This Ooh. is always radio row. Like it's just going to happen. You know that that's a guarantee. A hundred percent. And usually it's, you know, it's not a real fight. It's just a bunch of yelling and, uh, you know, a couple afternoon radio hosts from 
you know, you might get a Philly in there with a Boston uh, potentially. I did not scout. I should have done this later. I should have scouted out, you know, strategically how they laid out the different cities. Um, you know, if there's, if there's any cities that happen to be right next to each other, that's usually where you get the fights because people and anybody watching right now that can see me, um, they're probably already seeing people walk into your shots and things like that. So that's, that's usually what causes it, but hopefully everyone can remain calm and understand that we're just here to talk about football and sports and it should be fun. One guy looks like Guy Fieri with brown hair, but he's got the same accessory game, you know, the white stitch jeans and maybe an affliction shirt. The other guy's got like other white sticks, white stitch jeans and maybe another affliction shirt. Like there just can't be two of them, Adam. There can't be two of them in the same room. It's not going to happen. And don't forget their publicity photo has to be one, like playfully grabbing the other around the neck from behind. Or they all have folded arms. Cause you know, tough. I got caught in a folded arm situation yesterday talking to Robbie gold. And I just got accused on Twitter of not liking what he was saying about Justin Fields or something. So I got to watch my own body language here too. What did Robbie say about Justin Fields? So Robbie was uh, very pro. I, I don't think he was trying to make the point that he was just like all in on Justin Fields as much as he just really thinks Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be incredible. And he's like not against just use the number one pick on Marvin Harrison Jr. Because that's how good uh, he could be. So keep Justin, roll with Marvin. I, I, I don't think logically that's, you know, the best process to how or let me let me say this because he might end up being right. That may end up being the best player in the draft when it's all said and done. But yeah, but you could from, you could uh, trade the pick and still probably get Marvin Harrison. That that's what I yeah. If you if you're gonna go down if the Bears decide Marvin Harrison Jr. is absolutely one hundred percent their guy, they should definitely trade back at least to two with Washington. Um so Washington can have Caleb then and then they at least get whatever they can get out of Washington, which I still maintain is gonna be more than normal for a team just moving up one spot. Because I just think there's a there's a Caleb premium here. There has to be when you consider you gotta consider the whole market. And the market's gonna be a bunch of teams trying to get it up there. So yes, it's only one spot for Washington, but they're also competing against these other teams. So they're gonna have to give up, they're gonna pay a premium. I know that your guys are there and I know that they're asking questions, but <laughs> but even beyond that, is it is how interesting is it to you that the Bears are at the Super Bowl, even though they're not in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Um, It's usually like this at this point. Um, There's some down years, some better years. The Bears have some marketable guys now. No, no, no. I mean, Um, I mean that, that whatever the bears are going to do conversation. Yeah. That, that, that it is the news of Super Bowl week before we really start talking about the two teams. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, Yeah, and it, it, for the second year in a row, it was like this last year as well. I think it's even more so this year because of, of the Caleb Williams hype adding to it. Um, but yeah, 100%. Like, there's two teams. There's a game going on this week. And so far through Wednesday, a lot of this conversation, and not just us because we're here, but even, you know, the national guys you talk to, you turn on NFL Network or something like that, they're talking about this stuff too with the Bears, with Washington. Um, you, you know, with everything they got going on, the hires they're making, what does it mean for Caleb Williams? It's a huge story. So, you know, the Bears, the Bears are offseason relevant again. They're the team of the offseason. Hopefully they can turn all this into being the team of the regular season at some point. I also think that 
the discussion around Kingsbury's hiring from other NFL people is super valid right now. Like, I want to know what they think about it, why they think it happened, especially after what happened in Arizona. So what have you heard about just that piece of it based on the process that's happened? Well, well, first of all, like, there's definitely credence. There has to be to sort of the red flag nature of how that played out. I mean, he's basically well, not all, all the way to the finish line, essentially, with the Raiders until he signs the dotted line. They don't get it done. I wasn't buying that, like, contract negotiations broke down. I felt like an, it had to be, you know, Washington coming in and being like, hey, wait a minute, don't sign anything. Like, here's this, here's our situation. Here's what this could turn into. And I think the important thing is that not just Caleb, like obviously Caleb and their relationship, if you're Washington, you want to set that up. But, you know, if you're, if you don't get Caleb in Washington, you still can get Drake May. And I think he's going to be really good too. So you're still set up for a better, if you're from Cliff's perspective, you're probably in a better position from the quarterback. You're going to be coaching either way. If you end up in Washington compared to whatever the Raiders are able to do, um, because they're, you know, they're, they're going to be in a much tougher spot um, just given their draft capital. So I think, th- I think that played into it. I think um, it is interesting, though, from Washington's perspective, what they see in Cliff Kingsbury right now and why they think that's going to be successful. I, I've talked to some people down here when I'm having conversations about Caleb Williams that have expressed some doubt about, like, it's not like USC's offense was bad this past year. But it took a step back. Caleb took a little bit of a step back. And schematically, I've talked to some people that have said, like, Lincoln Riley's stuff changed, and some of it didn't make sense. What was the reason for that? And did Cliff Kingsbury being there have anything to do with that? So I'm still a little skeptical just offensively how that's going to work, no matter who their quarterback is. That's why that, to me, gives it even more credence that, like, they're putting their ducks in a row to try to make a run at Caleb Williams. Do you think most NFL executives actually understand the world they're in right now? It took college sports. It took a lot of the sclerotic and fusty uh, athletic departments to get a handle on NIL. And they're still catching up and they still complain that they don't know. If they're struggling, how can NFL front offices that are such, such uh, they're, they're just, they cleave to routine how can they adapt quickly enough to deal with the, the rapidly changing circumstances of all of this, of, of all of the social media and all of the fact that it's keeping secrets is nearly impossible? Yeah, and I think it all, it, it, it all comes down to, if I'm understanding your question you know, correctly, I think a lot of it is just sort of a shift in general, whether it's college um, or even the pros to empowering players yes. more, right? Yes. And, and, I, and obviously the NFL has been behind on this compared to like the NBA. But, and, and I think that the NFL is so strong from an ownership perspective that it's never going to, the power's never going to completely flip. But I do think that there's been an important shift even from like a public relations standpoint where it's still a battle where fans will side with ownership over players. But I do think we're shifting into more of like the, Hey, wait a minute. Like the players, the players are right here too sometimes and they do deserve their power. 
And that's why I'm going to be really fascinated, guys, just to see how this Caleb Williams thing plays out um, over the next few months because it's not like this hasn't happened before, but if if but it's been a long time since Eli Manning, if a player is really going to try to strong arm um, a, a, where they end up in the draft. Now, again, I don't know if you guys got a chance to read my piece on Monday that we put out on all CSGO that I've been working on for a while. All the homework I've been able to do, all the people I've talked to do not believe that Caleb Williams is the, is like the type of player that's going to ultimately force that hand that all of this is just has to do more with his dad doing his due diligence. And there is a long history here going back to high school and then college when he committed to Oklahoma and then transferring when he ended up at USC. This is just the process of the family. And it's just a dad doing his due diligence for his son, which I'll never blame, but there's obviously enough smoke here that over the next month or two, I think there is going to be a little bit of a recruitment process here on both sides where the Bears, even though they have the number one pick, are going to have to sell a player on coming to Chicago if that's ultimately the choice they, they choose. I don't think it's going to be a hard sell, but that is different than normal because normally it's just like, okay, whichever player we want, we're just going to draft them. We don't have to sell them on anything. And ultimately they can still draft them. But I think this kind of does get back, hopefully this all – makes sense to the context of your question where like here we have a young player coming out of an nil world where he transferred in the middle of all this too and he's trying to have some power in a situation where the way the draft set up these players these prospects don't really have a lot of power it's so interesting to me like even the way that you frame conversations with people that people are saying well caleb's not the type of player that would do that one, we don't know that for sure. And two, what would be wrong if he was? Like, if, if, if he is going to be the flag bearer for power at the top of the draft and, and having FU money from NIL to, to kind of figure out what path he wants to go down, I don't see anything necessarily wrong with him using some of that power, but there are still folks that, that will look at it and say, oh, well, that's selfish. Meanwhile, the process itself is completely un-American, and yet we are totally okay with it. Yeah, and, and I agree with what you're saying. Like, I, I, he shouldn't be judged if ultimately that's how this goes down. He, he deserves to have that power. From everyone I've been able to talk to, though, it's more of just like the family is going to do their due diligence to make sure that Caleb Williams, and this is important, is set up for success in the NFL. And when I say that, I'm talking specifically the second contract. So every move this family has made with Caleb, going back to high school, was about the next move, right? So we get him in the right high school, Gonzaga Prep in, in, in D.C., to put him in the best position to end up at the best D1 school where he can have success. And then when Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma, it's okay. Let's have 25 Zoom calls with all these other schools that are interested in him to make sure he's in the best spot to end up being the number one overall pick in the draft, which is a huge goal for Caleb Williams, 100%. Let's not forget that. And now it's all about what's the best situation for him to get that second contract, which is in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position, what it's all about. And that's where I come back to this, though. Last thing I'll leave with you guys, the Bears do have the best situation when it comes to draft capital because not only – if a team trades up, there's a, there's possibly giving up half of their high draft capital for at least half of, if not more, of Caleb Williams' rookie contract. So 
that's putting him in a disadvantage right away where the Bears are the only team right now that can take him and, oh, by the way, also draft another player eight picks later at number nine in the first round and give up zero draft capital, also gain some from trading Justin Fields. So I do think at the end of the day when Carl Williams, Caleb Williams come together and they look at all these situations, the Bears are going to have a pretty strong case that they are the best situation for him. It's a really weird position to say for the Chicago Bears with a quarterback. But in this situation, it might actually be true. With the weight of history looming, Adam Hogue. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Hogue, thanks so much for – Wait, wait, wait. Oh, pick on the game? Wait, no. Forget that. We can ask Hogue what we asked Kalen yesterday and what we asked Ron. Okay. Your, your Achilles heel in Vegas – is it gambling? Is it a food item? Is it the concerts. hours? Is it concerts? Is it drinking? What do you have to make sure you don't do too much of? Well, I just call it fun, by the way. You can also just have fun. Um, man, that's a tough one. I think it's uh, roaming, wasting too much time just roaming around. I know that's probably a weird answer, not specific enough. I don't get into the I did lose some money at a craps table last night, which was not great. Cold, <laughs> coldest craps table of all time. But I can usually I'm not I'm not I'm not like trying to run away from Radio Row at all because I gotta go. It, like I don't get into the gambling too much. Um, I just find myself wowed by a lot of stuff in Vegas, and this new sphere thing they have is incredible. And and so I'll just find myself sometimes wasting an hour. And you can walk a lot in Vegas just looking at things. I've been here enough. I've seen this stuff a lot, but still, like walking through Caesar's Palace. It's still cool to me. And I'll just roam around with like the fake paintings of the sky ahead of you. So that's probably, I, I guess that's my weird answer to the question. No, no that's a hundred percent what Ray and I did. That's all we did was walk yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. But you guys were walking around downtown yeah, Vegas. You, yeah. No, really? we also, we also walked around the strip. Oh, you guys walked a couple the strip? hours. You were seeing yeah. the fire breathing, praying mantis. We had a lot of fun. Mantis. Yo, I'm, sta- I'm staying off of Fremont street downtown. Stay There's on it, Adam. Con- Stay on it. Constant noise. Constant noise yes. and music to like 3 a.m. There's not been a lot of sleep. I'll, is, I'll say that. There's, uh, a, there's, really, there's a, really, a really great pizza place towards the end of Fremont Street, though, that is worth it. It's less, less noisy. So, you know. You're in Vegas. Vegas is noise. Go to the Mantis, Adam. Go to, to the Mantis. You can just go to bed, man. Less was, noisy was the number five midday show in America. <laughs> That's true. Hoger, have a good time, man. Thanks for joining us today. No problem, guys. Hope you have a good day. I'll sleep next week. It's all good. Yep. That's Adam Hogue. Next up, we have High Noon. I have an update on a story we did in April when art imitated life, and it the story ends with art imitating life more than you could possibly know. I would like to talk about a Super Bowl halftime show that I witnessed. I would like to celebrate an anniversary. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? Wednesday high noon. That marks the middle of your work week, and then it's all seashells and balloons from here. We talked about the Bulls game last night. I say you take that second half and that overtime and that fourth quarter and you remember that as your final sweet memory of a build that's over. Unless they keep everything status quo. (laughs) 
And Which is possible. Of course, with this group, it, it's always possible. We played the full sound of the wonderful and important interview that Layla did with DeMar DeRozan about his mental health and his process. It's If you missed it, I really suggest you go back and give it a listen. It's, it's, it's awesome stuff to which we reacted thereafter and talked about the Bears and their current situation. Got the latest from Radio Row in Las Vegas with Adam Hogue. Studs, looking at the clock, I feel like I should defer. I'm going to defer. I'm going to defer to my partner, Layla Rahimi, for high noon. Oh, no, because what you were about to talk about was some of the most wonderful brilliance we've seen as a public at the same time in history. Yeah, but we could do it tomorrow. So I bring you the second most wonderful brilliance we've ever seen. Happy birthday, Blazing Saddles. This is sports radio, damn it. Here come the farts. Beans, Mr. Taggart. I'd say you've had enough. Not that, not that talent. <laughs> that was not part movie. of Blazing no. Saddles. <laughs> 50, right? 50. And there's a great quote. Of course, I don't know if it's an actual real quote, but I really hope it is. Uh, Mel Brooks talking about Blazing Saddles, and I hope this is true. I just wanted to exercise both my angels and demons. I said to all the writers, look, fellas, don't worry. This movie will never get released. Never. Warner Brothers will see it, and they'll say, let's bury it, so let's go nuts. Yar, and who was, of course, the primary writer? Other than Mel Brooks? Mel Brooks. Richard Pryor. Oh. And the, the, the great, if you read Mel Brooks's wonderful memoir, All About Me, the section, if you read nothing else, just read the entire chapter about the making of Blazing Saddles. How he told them that he wouldn't... <laughs> No, they, I'm totally taking that part out. They told him like, that scene you just heard. They said, absolutely not take it out. He goes, fine, it's out. You know, and all this. And don't do this. You're saying the N-word too much. And take that out. Fine. A yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's all gone. I will take it all out. And he had never had any intention of doing anything he said. And he said, that was the trick to movie making. Agree to whatever they want and then don't do it. I mean, that movie's just great on all levels, but from a personal standpoint, I always loved watching it because Cleavon Little was handsome the same way that my grandfather was. It was like, it was like oh, that's what Grandpa looked like when he was young. And when he rolls out, all duded up, when he when they first show that great hero shot Hell of, yeah. of him on the white steed riding into town. Is, he, like is, a he, wearing, is he wearing Gucci? I think what, it's Louis Vuitton. It's Louis Vuitton. It? That's what it is. He's wearing Louis Vuitton. He's just style. Just handsome. Depends on how old you were when you watched it, what resonated with you the most. But for me, it was the fart jokes. It was Mongo for me. Mongo just pawned in Game of Life. And while we speak of movies, you'll remember back in April when the NYPD rolled out a robot for its test run in the subway system. You remember this? It was the fully autonomous outdoor security robot called K-5, Deployment of Innovative Policing Technologies. And we said, "Uh uh-oh, we've seen this before. We've seen the ED-209. You have 10 seconds to comply. K-5 still alive. Wait, that's different. And the ED-209, we know, had uh, notoriously malfunctioned. 
Well, Mayor Eric Adams is now removing the 400-pound white robot because it didn't operate as they saw fit. It was designed to operate without human handlers, but it needed chaperones throughout its entire run. So it wasn't actually autonomous. It was just like walking around with a with a wheelbarrow, essentially. So most men I know. <laughs> well, this, this is my favorite part, because this is so true. The robot was unable to move past the block-long station mezzanine area because... It couldn't use stairs. Yeah. Now, think back. In the actual movie RoboCop. That's what got him. When they send the Ed 209 after Peter Weller. Couldn't grab. What was its downfall? Stairs. The stairs. No, it was. It was it really? Yes, it was. It couldn't grab. So it just kind of went. The hydraulic feet couldn't navigate the stairwell and it tumbled over. This robot didn't know how to climb stairs? And th- this robot was unable to climb stairs. The actual Ed 209 also and was not able to stop RoboCop because it couldn't climb stairs. And everyone told him that things were going to go this way, and they didn't listen. Do you guys remember that Hitchbot that they killed in Philly? Did you guys ever hear about that? I was no. in Philly when it happened. It was the most Philly thing that ever happened to me. There was this cute little hitchhiking robot, and it was trying to collect data from everywhere, and people could take pictures because it was traveling on its merry way from Canada. Made it to Philly. Nope. <laughs> R.I.P. Hitchbot. Damn it, Hitchbot. <laughs> More about Philly, really. Carmen Vitale is at Vegas as well, so we'll ask her the same question we've been asking everybody else. And I'm gonna she's... go. I'm gonna go with shopping, just because she is. She gets such incredible style. And like even on Instagram, like you, she's like, I got this outfit, and today's a good day to do this. I think that's going to be. I, I think she's too smart to play in the other arenas. Wait, have you two discussed what your vices are in, in Vegas? His is heroin. <laughs> Back after this on the score. The score. This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. When you're in the mix of things like we are. You don't really look at that. You're so focused in on the next the next game. And I think if you make that your focus, uh, you're probably going to have a problem and, and get knocked off uh, whatever pedestal people think you're on. And so this game, there's too much parity in this game to take your energy and put it in that direction. So we're focusing on this game here um, against a great football team, and it's, it's going to take all our energy to do well against him. Yeah. Now show me again. This time with those nuggies. That's Andy Reid talking about whether or not his team is a dynasty. I think in modern context, of course they are doing what they've done. There's no question that uh, being able to get at least this far as many times as they have is a huge deal. Here to talk some football and more with us is our friend Carmen Vitale. She's on Twitter at Carmi V, NFC North reporter for Fox Sports. And according to the bio I was given today, it says former NFL quarterback. See that? See, that we, okay, Carmen, we had Sean King on in this slot yesterday, and like an idiot, I left. <laughs> 
his description <laughs> I, I like along it. with yours. I, th- I think it's I think it's good for the backstory that we should we should uh, retcon it. What were you running air raid stuff? Is that what you were doing when you were playing QB, Carmen? No, 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 no. I'm much more of a play action girl. I like to get everybody involved. There it is. Pro style. I yep, like it. Yep. I like it. That's the way that it should be. How's Vegas? Um, it's incredible as always. Uh, honestly, though. Vegas is so uniquely equipped to handle large scale events like this, so much so that I had an Uber driver the other day that didn't know that the Super Bowl was in town. She was like, Yeah, there's something going on at T Mobile Arena, which was the Oilers Las Vegas Knights Golden Knights game. I'm like, No, that's not it. That that's that's not what <laughs> the folks didn't fly down from Edmonton to 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 jam up all of Vegas. There were a lot of Oilers fans in my hotel. I was like kind of shocked that there are that many Edmonton. It's pretty crazy. Well, I'm just thinking about that. Like how many people probably did want to travel from Canada to Vegas for that game? Well, I mean, they, they, they snowbirded down to Vegas and Arizona quite a bit from Canada. There's a lot of people who own property in both Vegas and Arizona from Canada, but, but for them to shut down the city that you have to have, like, I don't know, a Super Bowl going on. Since we're already into nonsense, we'll ask you the nonsense question that we've been asking all of our people that are down there at the Super Bowl. Vegas has a lot of temptation, a lot of vices, Carmen. We want to know what's yours. Like, what do you have to stay away with? Some of the answers that we've already had. Unfortunately, our buddy Ron Ugly says that he can't stay away from the, the fruity drinks. And, and that there there's a stand where they're making fruity drinks right by his elevator. So he had five of them the other day. Um, Adam Hogue said that he just likes to wander around. Like, that's his issue. Who else Who else did we ask about this? Kaylin. Kaylin. Oh, yeah. What was Kaylin's? Oh, show. show. Concerts. Concerts. Yeah, she says that she's struck by the concerts, and she has to be careful not to spend too much money on that. So for you, what's the thing that when you're in Las Vegas, you're like, I have to stay away from blank. Can I go out of left field a little bit and just say the sheer volume of times I've been here? Okay. <laughs> Mostly been for work recently, but uh, I went to Arizona State for undergrad, and I think my senior year I came up here once a month, and I've probably been one to two times every year. So- <laughs> oh <my God>. Wow. <laughs> um, and I don't gamble either, which is the funny part. Like I don't have a lot of devices, um, but if you get me in a club. Not anymore. I'm too old for that now. But in my in my youth, if you got me in a club, I couldn't resist shots. I would do shots are never a good idea until they're a great idea. As far as Hold on. When what was the age limit that we agreed to here? Because I don't. I, maybe Shoot, I'm me and Layla seeing... were doing shots last week. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, shot. I just singular. I, I, had, yeah, no. I had Saturday. So I just want to know what age you think you need to stop that behavior. I mean, it's it, it it's only been conditioned by my hangovers the next <laughs> and they've gotten progressively worse as I've gone older. Might I recommend coconut water? And he better oh, yeah. be at the so, halftime honestly, show. Vegas has the IVs though, so like I don't know if I if I'm really in a bad way at some point this week, I'll just go downstairs and get an IV. So so my You and my, I should never have same days off. I think that's a must, and it should be recorded. Terrifying. You guys should have your own show. My guess was going to be because you're such a style icon that the shopping was going to get you. 
Yeah, I love walking around and window shopping, but are you like, how much money do you think I make? I can't afford like all of the shopping here. Are you kidding? Yeah, it's too so bad. I don't, I, although I do have to go to Nordstrom and pick up a, uh, an outfit option for honors uh, tomorrow at some point today because I had to scramble last minute. So I do have like two or three different options to wear to NFL honors. <laughs> As you sort through everything at, at this point in the week, this is usually the day where we transition from crazy, silly, oh my God, Taylor Swift and Ben and all the, 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 the wildness of the first media crush to actually talk in football and, and looking at how these teams are going to match up and what they're going to do. What is the most important unresolved X and O conflict in this game in your eyes? I think it's 49ers run defense. They have been, it's been a concerning aspect of that defense. And it's probably the only like real weakness you can talk about when you talk about the San Francisco 49ers right now, at least consistently and you've seen Isaiah Pacheco come on very strong, uh, and he's had a hell of a year. And I, I, the, the Chiefs aren't the best rushing team; like they're they're bottom of the league in a lot of those stats. But at the same time, they can figure out when and where to beat you. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that kind of marries up and who gets the better of who. Because in in the postseason, especially the 49ers have really has given up quite a few rushing yards, um, you know, even to the lions, especially in that first half. And then, and as it kind of continued. So um, I'm going to be interested in that. I'm always interested in the trenches too. I just think that, you know, Kansas city has a really physical offensive line and we've heard from people around the 49ers and even Steve Wilkes himself, their defensive coordinator that, he wasn't happy with the defensive effort against the Detroit Lions in the, in the NFC Championship game, and he didn't think that his players were playing hard enough. And that is not an option against this Kansas City Chiefs offensive line, so that's going to be another really interesting thing to me, too. Knowing what you know about the division, Carmen, and especially what you saw out of the Packers and the Lions and how they both fared against the 49ers, what do you think needs to change? Because it did come down to a horrific drive, at least for the Packers, for the Niners to also get out of that round. Yeah, they have to play all 60 minutes up to their potential. They, this is a star-studded roster in San Francisco. There's no reason whatsoever that they can't be completely dominant in a game. And we saw that in the regular season. It's kind of been a an opposite uh, kind of season into the postseason for the 49ers and the Chiefs because the Chiefs obviously weren't the Chiefs that we were used to seeing in the regular season uh, they did not look unbeatable. They did not look unstoppable. But yet here they are anyway, because they completely dominated in the postseason. That's completely opposite for the San Francisco 49ers, where they were dominant in the in the regular season. And in the postseason, they barely escaped teams that were underdogs. This is like the, nobody gave the Packers a shot. And I think that that it, that was a little bit of an awakening to what the Packers are really doing up in Green Bay and just how many weapons they have and how hard that is to defend. And then the Lions, I mean, it took some a hell of an adjustment or a hell of adjustments uh, out of out of Kyle Shanahan at halftime because that team looked completely different when they came out of halftime. The San Francisco 49ers did uh, against the Detroit Lions. But I mean, the Detroit Lions are still a very formidable team. They're going into next season now with like knowing that they were within reach of the Super Bowl and it was ripped away from them. I don't know if you guys saw the Players Tribune article from uh, Alex Anzalone, their linebacker, who was just like, 
were like this was all the motivation we need like Dan Campbell was encouraging his players to watch the Super Bowl and like bask in the the hatred and just the the disappointment of the season so that they can take it into next year they're going to be a tough out what do you think of this Super Bowl having so much celebrity in it you know obviously you have Taylor Swift and and you 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 have Travis Kelsey there fending off all sorts of weird questions but there's also Patrick Mahomes and the 49ers have been here before. It's it's a huge thing for everyone to kind of be back to normal post-COVID to have this type of Super Bowl where there's a lot of interest even from outside of those of us who love football. Yeah, I don't know how, if it's as much as the celebrity as it is what you were talking about before where now we're back to normal and the Chiefs know what it's like. And, and to be fair, so the 49ers. Uh, what it's like to have a regular Super Bowl that has all the fanfare, that has all of the events. Uh, the teams are staying really far from the strip, and that was entirely on purpose. Uh, it sucks for media that has to go back and forth because it's not close. But that was absolutely trying to keep them locked in and, and on the game and everything else because, like we were talking about at the top of the show or at the top of the segment, Vegas has a lot of temptations. And this was, but I think that it's going to come down to recent experience versus not recent experience which on opening night you could kind of see a nervous energy out of the 49ers you could see especially with Brock Purdy who hasn't really been here before in in this game in particular so you're like all right they seemed like the new kids on the block whereas the Chiefs were like oh, I mean this is an annual thing at this point so we're, we're cool like they were so at ease and so comfortable doing all of the fanfare doing all of the media all of that kind of stuff because they literally did it last year and you know four of the last five years I'm glad you brought up the halftime adjustments piece of what San Francisco did because I feel like that has been the tale for both these teams is the savvy in-game adjustments that were made especially during the playoffs what was your opinion of how both teams ended up getting to this point and the adjustments they made throughout the season yeah I mean Kansas City is just incredible and I've learned history recent history has just showed me not to ever bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes as much as I wanted the Ravens in this game just just for something a little bit different and because I wanted it for Lamar Jackson I knew that I shouldn't bet against Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes because a they've been here before and the way that they're able to evolve every single year dependent on who they have available in their personnel I mean Kansas City's receivers had the most drops in the league this year. They had relative no names until Rasheed Rice in his rookie season ends up being like, all right, this is the this is the future. This is the future number one receiver of the Kansas City Chiefs. They were able to work through all of that because Andy Reid is one of those absolute football sickos that is in his office all the time. Like I know guys on that staff. And there are times that they're sleeping in the office and it's it's a very regular occurrence. I mean, this is who Andy Reid is. This is what he does. And they go to a completely other level in the postseason. And with two weeks to prepare, Andy Reid is going to concoct some things that we've seen it in Super Bowls past, ring around the rosy plays, no look plays, this, that, the other. You're going to see some crazy stuff out of uh, out of Kansas City that you haven't seen all season. But what's interesting is you're going to see that out of the 49ers too, Kyle Shanahan is an extremely creative play caller. And the what, what he's able to do with multiple back sets is so different than a lot of teams in this league 
that he can do so many creative things with Christian McCaffrey, who is just a one-of-one player. Kyle Juszczyk does not get the credit that he deserves for what he brings to this offense and the creativity that he allows this offense to have. And then you have guys like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk who almost feel like afterthoughts to this offense. And Kyle Shanahan is the, is the puppeteer pulling all the strings He's going to come up with some new stuff in these next two in, in this, like this space between the game, um, the, this two weeks off. Like, I just, I can't wait to see all the creativity we're going to see on that field uh, in this game. So it might be a familiar matchup, but these teams are going to look completely different. Carmen, you know what else I've been thinking about too, with all the credit that the chiefs defense is getting deservedly and the respect given to Steve Spagnolo. It's it must be nice when you know you've got a coordinator who isn't going anywhere, who's really good at his job. You can pay him a lot of money. He was a head coach what 12 years ago, whenever it was. It didn't go all that well with the then St. Louis Rams, right? That when you have a guy like that, like think about landing a, a Vic Fangio or the way it must have been with Dick LeBeau. That sense he's not coming for your job. There aren't people knocking down his door to get him. There has to be a level of comfort there that is a, a luxury for teams like that. I'm so glad you brought up Spags and that whole situation too. I, I know that people kind of are like he should be getting more, you know, head coaching looks and all that other stuff. Spag said it on media night. He's like, I mean, I'm not going anywhere else unless like I'm guaranteed like to like as long as we're winning Super Bowls or going to Super Bowls, I don't want to go anywhere else. And it allows Andy Reid to be Andy Reid and think about almost exclusively the offensive side of the ball and really come up with this really fun scheme and and really creative play calling and all that other stuff because Steve Spagnolo is basically the head coach of the defense and you can let them work autonomously almost and you can trust that he is going to have that defense ready to play every time and he does and he is a creative defensive mastermind in himself. I mean, the, the pressure packages that he comes up with and the different blitz variations and all that kind of stuff that we see out of him, it's so creative and it really puts a lot of offenses on their heels because you don't really know what to expect. He switches it up week by week. To, to kind of go along with that, what did you think of the fact that Bobby Slowick and Ben Johnson ended up staying in their jobs when everyone thought that those guys were going to walk away? Like, what, what do you think that says about not always just having to take a head coaching job because one is available. I think we get too caught up in this coaching carousel and thinking about these jobs that are open and, oh my gosh, it's a one of 32 opportunity to be a head coach, all that stuff. It's all true. But at the same time, these coaches or these coaching candidates are interviewing these teams right back. And my, but my first thought when I saw that Ben Johnson was staying in Detroit was, this is Dan Campbell. This is the biggest testament to the culture that we talk so much about in Detroit that Ben Johnson is turning down a significant payday, like a much bigger payday to stay somewhere where they built something special. And he really believes in this team that they were so close this year, they can get to the game next year. That's what he wants. He wants to stay for a Super Bowl. That's what he told Amon Ross St. Brown when he called him to tell him he was staying specifically. And I think Bobby Slowick had, they're building something really special in Houston too. And you have CJ Stroud to thank for that, but you also, you have D'Amico Ryans to thank for that. And you're building from the ground up and there's something very special as a coach of being able to build something that 
was left for dead for all intents and purposes and really given no like there was no optimism necessarily that Houston was going to be good especially this quickly and now you're building this foundation that can look and you can see sustained success in the horizon because you have all these young guys I think that had a lot to do with it in Detroit too is this team is very young as well their window for success is is large right now and it should continue to be there because of Brad Holmes and the way he's been able to draft and all that kind of stuff so I really appreciate that, but I, I think that it, it it's a reminder for all of us that these guys have to interview these teams right back, and if it's not the best fit and they like where they're at, they're not going to go. You mentioned Dan Campbell, and I heard something yesterday <laughs> that I just left me absolutely just uh, dumbstruck. Diana Russini reported that she talked to an NFL exec that said Mike Vrabel his his physical size is a drawback to some when hiring him as a head coach, saying he's so physically intimidating. Which tells me the NFL executives are stupid. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, like, there's Dan Campbell, who not only is enormous, he's one of the most emotionally vulnerable coaches out there. It just seems so insane to me in the NFL of all places. Like, now we have right. sizeism? But that would be an me? issue. Right. I think a lot of what happens with Vrabel, though, is that he, while he wasn't coaching under Belichick, he still comes from, like, that Patriot way, that very controlling, domineering, like, his version of being a head coach is to impose his size i guess right but if he's a jerk say he's a jerk i mean you can you can be two feet tall and and be an officious autocratic jerk too you can but i guess it it, it means more or it's a little bit scarier when you're big although honestly i've been around both brabel and dan campbell and i mean brabel's big sure he was an nfl linebacker but Campbell is so much bigger and he's so much more intimidating if you don't like really know him. I mean, he's like, he's a really nice guy. Like you said, he's very emotional. He's very authentic. I love covering him. I think that he's, he's wonderful with the Detroit media, um, their, their beat there. But um, I, like, I kind of get it, but Brave, or Campbell is so much bigger than Brable. Right. Like, I don't know. And it's also we saw the team use that to their advantage, like this vulnerability, this emotion, this like absolute aggressiveness or what did, what did Dan Campbell call it? Controlled fury. Like that could be used as a good thing. Also, Vrabel is funny and his, like, I just, I don't understand. Like they're just people in certain sizes. What did, what an insecure thing for others to say. It's so NFL executive though. Like it's it's believable because these people are so insecure. Yeah. And it's 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 completely ego driven too. It absolutely um, I, is. Yeah, yeah. That's where that, there's so many different types of egos to manage in this industry. Um, so I don't, I don't, I, I know it was just a factor, and that's something that Diana stressed too. Was like this this person that I talked to said it's just a factor. It's not the deciding factor in not hiring Mike Brable. I think the deciding factor with Brable is the amount of control he wants. Whereas a guy like Dan Campbell is much more collaborative and much more open to working with either the GM, the owner, all of that kind of stuff. Carmen, you're the best. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Have fun, but not too much fun. 
Thanks, guys. I'm old. I'm not having too much fun. Don't worry. Have too much fun. I was going to say, or have too much fun. Have who, too much fun. Yeah, who are we to say? That's Carmen Vitale of Fox Sports, NFC North reporter. We come back. Uh, Billy Donovan had some thoughts on the conversations that are being had internally and externally as the Bulls are careening toward yet another trade deadline. We'll bring that to you when we come back on The Score. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. We have eight seconds to go. Edwards got tied up by Vooch. Shot blocked by Vooch. 15 blocks for the Bulls. Vooch gives it up to DeRozan. Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. And yes, let's dance. It was a fun one. That was indeed a fun one. I quit on the game, and then I unquit and came down and watched all the fun stuff, but running up that hill indeed, because none of it seems to be getting anywhere. So the hope is at this deadline, finally, 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 with all of the injuries and all of the evidence and all of the inertia, that there's some awareness of that, and we can have that memory of that second half and that fourth quarter and that overtime and say thanks for everything, Damar and Caruso and Drummond and maybe even Vooch, if people are asking. You know why I liked the the question asked in the group thread last night by Studs? Because it's caused Dan to have to couch against it all day. You're like, don't get, don't get twisted. Don't fall in love with that game. Here's why you shouldn't fall in love with that game getting to you it's an outcome you said it before when we were talking football that there are rational approaches and interpretations of certain outcomes and that is an nba regular season outcome that does nothing to alter the direction of a franchise which is essentially nowhere kind of like beating the raiders tyson vagent no you hear that heartbeat in the floor it's getting louder and louder now this troll is reaching multiple levels if now you're invoking tyson vagent so what does billy donovan have to say about where his team is right now we know that he recently received an extension so as far as we know he's fine and not going anywhere but some people might be I have not, you know, generally, like I said, it's kind of like an open door policy. I don't, you know, go around and try to take their temperature and those kind of things. Um, I think that these guys understand that that's, that's going to come and go every single year. You know, we have to be able to deal with that. I don't think we're uh, any different than any other team that's out there that's having to deal with that stuff. We all got a job to do. And, you know, those, those things in, in reality are out of all of our control, you know, those decisions. So we need to focus on, you know, what we can really control. Was there uh, any kind of staff meetings or anything that you were No staff of? meetings, but certainly as discussions, you know, I, I talk, did talk to Arturis. You know, I think that I think maybe I mentioned before Sacramento, you know, when you're five days out, it's still a, a long time out. But, um, you know, he said he's had conversations with a lot of different people. Um, yeah, I did not, from him in our conversations, have like there's anything definitive or anything else like that. But he did did come in this morning and did talk to me about, you know, just having different conversations and just told me here – because I think we're leaving tomorrow that, you know, we'd be on the phone we need to, if we needed to talk more if things, you know, happened. I know this is an obvious question, but yeah. it would seem that the Zach injury does change things. It changes the landscape for you guys. Now, how much, I guess we'll all find out in the next 48 hours. Right. But is that fair to say that 
I had not being shut out for the shut down for the year and uncertainty, yeah. you know, four to six months, whatever it is, right. does change possibly the way you guys were thinking as an organization. I think that could be certainly the case that they probably, you know, I, I did not get from Arturis and or Mark like, hey, we were kind of going down this path and now we've kind of had a course correct and go here. Um, that that has not happened at all, um, at least in my conversations with them. I'm sure they have to look at that, right, because the, the, the hope was um, – when he did go out that second time with his foot, that he would return and he would come back. So I think that was the anticipation by everybody. And then I think using this, you know, uh, this past week to kind of have him do his own personal consultation with doctors and things like that, it escalated into him obviously having the surgery. So um, I'm sure that those guys were looking at all those scenarios would be my guess. But I did not get from them, hey, we were going this direction. Now, now we're going, yeah, I, I have not gotten that. Exclusive of uh, exclusive, what any you know management or does or thinking. Uh, from your perspective, would you not like to see any of your players traded? I mean, on a personal level, I, I when, when you're with these guys every single day, you know, and you see the work they put in and you know sacrifices they're trying to make, um, and you see you know a guy like Zach go out and Patrick go out, and you know Vooch missed five games, Demar missed a game, Crusoe's missed games. You know you see what they do to get themselves ready to play. There's always a personal attachment, relationship wise, that you have. Um, so selfishly, you always you know like I really love being around these guys all the time. You know they're a great group to work with. It's a great group of guys, but there's also a business component of it too, and we all understand we're in the business side of it. So. Uh, you know, if something did happen at the tread deadline, I would be disappointed, you know, just on the relational part. You know, you, you, you get close to people, you invest in time, you know, you travel around the summers and you spend time. I mean, I've been to Montenegro to see Vooch and you go out to see Damar and Zach and you go see Patrick and Kobe and these guys. There's, there's, there's relationships that get established and built, you know, but I know that the front office is always going to be looking at how do we make our team better? How do we improve our team? You know, um, and you know, I've been able to, uh, you know, be in constant contact with them, you know, in terms of the communication that we have on those things. Um, and like I mentioned to Joe, there's been nothing that's been definitive where they've come in and asked my opinion. Hey, we could do ABC. What's your opinion on that? That hasn't happened. Uh, and maybe it does between now and, and Thursday. Uh, but that that relational part's always hard, you know. There, it's always hard, and I think it's been a group that's, you know, the things that we've asked them to try to do. I think that they've tried to continue to work to get better at those things. As always, diplomatically handled, and it seems he he sounds resigned to something happening. But I don't want to read too much into that. That might be wishful thinking on so my that's part. What the phone was. I have about. a counter actually to this. Don't you remember in Summer League when he talked about what he thought the team needed and how he addressed, I think it was when Drummond was signed as the backup center after they had lost Daniel Tice, and how he talked about how, I think multiple times during the season, that they wanted more room protection, but that wasn't an option for them and talked about the deficiencies from a structural standpoint. I think he makes it sound like nothing is happening. I think you can interpret it either way because of what the history of the Bulls has been, where when I look, when I look at them, I feel like I'm watching a team that really, like they, they, they want to be sure, even though we're all pretty sure, they want to be sure that it's not going to work, which would lead you to believe that they're going to play it out, extend DeMar, run it back. 
next year. I also think that Billy kind of being there and him talking about as he all, he's very loquacious, like him talking about his players and the relationship with the players. I like that the people asking questions gave him an opportunity to say some of that stuff publicly. Not that he wouldn't after they got traded, but it was nice to hear him discuss like how he really enjoys those players and, and being with them. There's still what? 28 hours left before the deadline? Two o'clock tomorrow. Oh, I'm bad with math. If they stand, if, if they stand and Pat and, and run it back, I, I need a an acceptable, lucid explanation as to why. There's not going to be I don't, one. And I don't think it's possible. Yeah, there's not one. Because as we pointed out, there's no place as an organization that the Bulls feel like they're on solid ground. They don't have draft capital. They are, they're not up against the cap, but they're not healthy from a cap standpoint. So it's not like free agency is something that you can go and fix this with. And they're not good and they're not young. But you put all those things together and maybe they'll think that their best option is to just hope that they get a a spasm of incredible basketball from the guys that are already on their roster. I think that that's foolhardy. Especially considering the injuries. Mm-hmm. And the history of injuries. When we come back, we have some controversy over an appropriative take on a Super Bowl haircut. Yes. Not by the participant. He's fine with with his haircut and knows where it came from. That hasn't stopped people from assigning it to him. We'll discuss that next here on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. The Bernstein and Holmes show on this Wednesday with Layla Rahimi in today. Hi. Hey, how you doing? It's nice outside. Why are we in here? It was nice yesterday. I took a nice long walk yesterday. It was just a lovely. A good day for it again today. It's gonna be fifty. Tell Jed we can come and do the show out by his office. <laughs> today. That is not. If I had one thing to tell Jed, that's not it. Oh, it would be sign Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman, yeah. and maybe another starting pitcher. Yeah, I did like the Hector Neris signing. It's fine. No, it was good. What do you mean? They needed a reliever. It won't matter if they don't. If they can't produce runs. That's right, Jed. Thank you. Thank you for this time. I would like to share this yesterday from yesterday. Travis Kelsey, to give you a little bit of backstory, there have been multiple stories, including the New York Times, have written stories about people going to barbershops to ask for the Travis Kelsey. He does not like the fact that he is being linked with an appropriation. Here's what he said. It's absolutely ridiculous. And to do it and to do it on February 1st to throw me to the walls like that, that was messed up, man. I don't want anything to do with that one, man. I, I, I got a good fade if you need it, though. It's a two on top, a nice high to mid fade with the taper in the back. But I didn't invent that. I just asked for it. Yeah. Right. How many barbershops do you think that New York Times had been in? Zero. Yeah. They had, they had only been they had only been in, in barbershops <laughs> where 
where the the only flashpoint is Travis Kelsey. No, like, see, the New York Times, remember, because all of the New York Times reporters that are left have all been dispatched to diners across middle America. Oh, that's right. They're in to, Iowa. Right, they're, or elsewhere to find out about economic insecurity. In these hard economic times? Yes, that, that, that term actually has been referred to as a Cletus Safari, which is what most of the East Coast media has done, saying, who are these people who think these things? They're racists. Go back to New York. They're just racists. I mean, maybe getting outside and off Manhattan would be good. You know? Yeah, that would be good, probably. And, <laughs> and, and one would only need to go to, I don't know, Harlem or the right. Bronx, New York but Times. I, but I'm saying, like, even if you're in Manhattan, right, you could just go to Harlem, anywhere. Also, yes. maybe and go Brooklyn. to a barber shop. But but yeah. I'm saying, like, just for proximity's sake, if you're in Manhattan, <laughs> you could just go to Harlem and ask people. You could probably about it. find many of the barber shops on which the barber shop in coming to America was actually based. You could yes. also <laughs> watch sports. That helps. Or have an idea of recent American history. I'm just picturing the, the the New York Times editorial meeting also, there. It's like here's I've movies, got it. It's movies. People asking for the Travis Kelsey fade. Why this spells doom for Biden. Well, that's next. Run with it. That, that's going to be the next thing <laughs> yeah. they do. But shout out to Travis Kelsey for, one, understanding that he was being used in a way that he does not want to be used. Two, understanding the context of the story broke at the beginning of Black History Month, and I'm being painted as, as the guy that everyone's asking about my haircut when that haircut has been around for a really, really, really long time. In, in different phases, whether we're talking about you want a low fade or a high fade, or when I had a little bit more hair, I usually would go with a bald fade taper. I still do, but there's not a lot of hair left over here. But still, I appreciate him understanding the gravity of it. And I don't know if that's because of just his previous relationships or his relationship with the community overall. But I, I give him kudos for understanding that he was being used in a way that was not cool. That was it was just a good way to stop something in a non-threatening manner. Like that's the other part about it. It was like, hey, this is just a conversation. Like he was he was humorous about it in a way that still communicated the point. It was well done. Well, it's it's similar to what happened last year where people thought that Angel Reese was doing the John Cena when she was really doing the Tony Yayo. But people forgot the part where John Cena is a huge hip-hop head, and that's where he got it from. And he has gone out of his way to credit Tony Yayo and the Tony Yayo dance with that being what he was trying to do. And Tony Yayo, of course, said that he was trying not to be seen on camera because he was on parole. I mean, hey, these things happen. Just saying that I appreciate folks that are willing to give the people who created something the credit. And even if you don't know it at the time and you're willing to at least go back and learn a little bit about it, that to me, like that, that, that's that to me is a, a check mark 
on Travis Kelsey's page for me. Like that's like understanding. He knows what he, he knows the haircut he has. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's one thing to know the haircut, but it's another he thing does. to buck back against people trying to use you as an avatar for something that you didn't create. It's, that's where I think that he deserves the credit. A lot of times you hear it in song lyrics too. Like, that's why I thought it was so cool about Tracy Chapman actually being on stage at the Grammys. That was credit given to the original artist. Well, I mean, he he kind of had to because she wasn't going to allow for that to happen. What's been really cool is seeing what's happened with her albums mm-hmm. now. Like, she's made a million dollars off of what happened this weekend. But there's even like lines that are sampled and you think that song is the first song to have that line in it and it's not. I was having a conversation. I'm like not, I'm not going to. Don't Believe Me Just Watch is in reference to a prior song by Trinidad James. Right. I was talking to a, a, a DJ friend, a, an on-air DJ friend who was laughing about they had never heard the Banana Boat song. And their only reference, what? their only reference to it was Beetlejuice. Okay. Well, that's that. I mean, that's. But but then I said, well, what about Little Wayne? Because they're six foot, seven foot by Little Wayne, and I said it all. I don't goes, even know that song. Of course you don't. It all goes back to Harry Belafonte, mm-hmm. and this person had finally heard the Harry Belafonte version and was like. My whole world just exploded Seriously. because I didn't know that the song from Beetlejuice was an actual, like, popular song for someone else. And then I didn't realize that that's what Little Wayne was sampling in Six Foot, Seven Foot. This is a great point here for the 312. Kid and Play is in a commercial right now that may be the most well-known if extreme fade ever but but that that's that's different though and like and that's usually where people jump to is the idea of guys in the 80s where we were talking with like gumbies or with high tops that's not what we're talking about almost everyone since then when the high top fade kind of went out of style people went to either baldy fades or low fades, or even in, in Travis's case, I think his is, what do you say, it was a, a two with a taper? Th- that's what most people are walking around with. You're right. Like, the kid kid is an extreme. Play, on the other hand, actually d- did have, for a majority of his life, d- did have the same haircut, and I'm using air quotes for those who can't see me, that Travis Kelsey has. It's It's fairly regular, is the point, that... In other communities, and not just the black community, it's fairly regular to see that haircut. The fact that people are, we're trying really hard to be like, look at look at this trendsetter that Travis Kelsey is with his haircut. Any team that I traveled with right after college in the early 90s, there was always a a player on the team who was the designated maintainer of fades. That he would, it would have... Clippers and and he was there was always somebody who when you needed a little touch up when you needed to get the line right when you need and because everybody had the same haircut. Well, and a lot of guys in locker rooms think that they're barbers and they're actually quite terrible at it. Okay, everybody at least the locker rooms I was in, 
the guys who there was always several people who thought they were really good barbers. Yeah. But was that outnumbered in your experience by the guys who thought they were really good singers? Well, I mean, I actually had a bunch of good singers I, in locker rooms. I, that I did covered. too. But but there's all but I'm saying as far as the guys who thought they were really good. No, I would say there were more. I'm a really great barber. Okay. Or a great cook. No, you're not. You're not either of those things. Who's who's claiming they're a good barber? Who isn't? Uh, oh, you a would lot be you dudes. would be shocked at guys a in lot. locker rooms. They're like, oh, I'm the team barber. Guys in locker rooms, you could take that into regular life. Yes, there's a lot of 100%. delusional people out here. I think hundred percent. Okay, well, you know. My knowledge of a local barber to our sports athletes causes me to uh, have a luxurious view of this. Well, he he's an actual barber. He's not, excellent, too. Not an athlete that's like, I got some clippers. Like, we all own <laughs> we all own clippers, fam. That doesn't make you a barber. Dude, I, like, I cut an ex-boyfriend's hair once, and lighting it up was, like, the most nerve-wracking thing. Yes, that's why he should have gone to a barber and not his girlfriend. Unless you were a barber. It was a quick fix, and I wasn't a barber, but we got it done. I'd love to see a picture of it. Yeah. I have one. All right, good. Was this during your blonde phase? No. Oh, okay. Just curious. And I went to a professional for that. Ah. Let's let's just not get it twisted there. When we come back, we're going to have a conversation in studio with Brandon Pope. He recently interviewed both Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles. For On the Block on CW26, he's going to tell us about it on The Score. The Score! What am I about and what's my philosophy? We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. We're going to be selective in free agency, and we're going to connect evaluation with valuation. We're going to have a a relentless approach to fix our weakness. We're going to maintain great self-awareness of who we are. We're going to solve problems with open communication and candor. And we're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Well, anytime. Just get on with it then. That's Ryan Poles, the famous quote that has launched a, an eponymous podcast. And here we are with the Bears at yet another inflection point in their modern history. And here to talk about that and more is Brandon Pope. He is at B Pope TV, Emmy winning host of On the Block on CW26. And he has some exclusive interviews that are coming out one on ones with both Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles. These are going to air this Thursday and next Thursday at 7 p.m. On the U. Brandon, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's great to just be with y'all. I, friends and mentors and like an amazing studio. Shout out to The Score, Mitch Rose, and all y'all. It's, it's great to be here. Which guy did you get to talk first? Like, were they there at the same time or were, were they individual sessions? Yeah, they were there at the same time, but Kevin Warren is the early riser, so I talked to him first. Uh, notoriously. He, notoriously. He told me he does not use an alarm, which is wild. It still was able to wake up at like... Five o'clock, four o'clock, work out, and then make it to Hallis Hall. So, pretty incredible to me. I need an alarm. I need three alarms. Um, but yeah, we talked to Warren first. Right after that, Poles was up, got some pictures of the two of them interacting, and then got straight to Poles um, closer to his office. What made you guys at CIU decide that you wanted to put a spotlight on them during Black History Month? 
Yeah, I just it, it's something we haven't seen before. I think for a lot of Chicagoans, specifically black Chicagoans who have grown up here in this city, when they think of the Chicago Bears, they love the Bears. Who doesn't in this city? But they've known the Bears as an organization that is from the top down, usually pretty white. And something crazy happened where you got a black general manager coming in and then Kevin Warren, uh, a black CEO and team president at this inflection point, to use your terminology, too, where so many things are happening for the Bears and their potential future. And then the NFL itself, the backdrop of that, uh, the top executive leadership of the NFL, you look across, getting more diverse than ever. Still work to do with the head coaching perspective, uh, but you currently have um, a wide array of black GMs, general managers, team presidents. I believe you have seven presidents, five who are black, uh, three are women, nine general managers, including eight black men. Uh, so I just wanted to get Poles and Warren's perspectives on that because they don't talk about it a lot, especially Ryan Poles. Um, he focuses more on the X's and O's, doesn't like to get too much into his personal life. Um, but I thought it was a good chance to be able to kind of peel back the layers and uh, figure out the man behind the big decisions coming up uh, here for the Bears. I think the outreach and the discussion is important, too. Mm -hmm. One of the things I always joke with you about is calling you El Presidente. You're the president <laughs> of NABJ's Chicago chapter. That's the National Association of Black Journalists. And to have that that perspective and the discussion between you and Kevin Warren in that importance and you and Ryan Poles in that importance, what were your takeaways from how they've been portrayed so far and then what you were able to discuss with them? And, and maybe there, I think there are some contrasting viewpoints and, and yours definitely matters in the conversation. I, I appreciate that. I, ultimately, I think my biggest takeaways – I got a chance when I'm sure many of you too have uh, to, to talk with polls, interact with him when he first got here to the city. Um, and I was, I was enamored at his football acumen. Like we had a really good chat just about the X's and O's and football and his mentality about building a team. And then I thought to myself, like, how does a guy like that get where he is? There's a lot of kids that get into sports and their mentality is all focused on the field, and they forget that there are things you can do through sports outside of just playing on the field. And so Ryan Poles is a guy who did not have a stellar athletic career, and he, he, he made it to the NFL, but he was undrafted. He got cut by the Bears. Um, after that, who knows what he could have done, right? But he said, I have a passion for this sport, but I can, I can find ways to make a pathway through that. Um, and he's risen through the rakes through it. And I think that's that's really cool. And then Kevin Warren on the other end, I mean, <laughs> this guy's whole story is incredible. A man who had a traumatic, life-altering experience as a kid, was in a car accident, um, was in a full-body cast, didn't know if he was ever going to walk again. Um, and the way that faith has shaped his life and his vision, um, he's not really uh, – he, he knows X's and O's, but this guy is about business. He's about vision. He's about culture. He's also about himself. <laughs> no, he, He's also big. Hey, no, I'll give he, you that. Like, I'm telling you, the, a lot, this the one thing I've learned about him. If you sit down with him, he's gonna tell. He's gonna make sure you know all about all of this mythology. Absolutely. And, and at some point, a lot of that. And I, it's it's like I get it when you first arrive. Here's the story. Great, but it still seems like that every so much of this is imbued with his personal story and a, a multiple day in the life treatments here, I would love to know sort of when, when that, when, when it's, when we get past that about the nuts and bolts of, of, of the work to be done, mm -hmm. did you, did we learn about it? I think we learned about it. I think we learned a lot about his vision. We learned a lot about 
what shaped that vision. Um, I, I give you that. This is a man who he is an expert <coughs> at speaking. <laughs> he's a really he. I walked out of the interview ready to run through a wall because he's just great at the one-liners, right? Um, and he's he's he deserves like a speaking circuit. I'm sure he's on one. I'm sure he wants to be on one. So there's no doubt about that. He's great at selling. Yes. His story, his vision, his brand. Um, I think just being able to break down with him, just the personal ways that that intersected from his family and the struggles he's had there um, to just life and being a black man and what that meant for him um, and how what I was fascinated by. Look, I'm a Big Ten football fan. Um, he came in. Be, and- be specific, because you're not a Big Ten football <laughs> fan. It's you're, not you're just an Ohio that. State fan. That's that's what it is. I am this a- one was talking about Justin Fields' pro day before anybody. Was. And and also, I tried to tell everybody. Let, let, let's keep it a buck. Like you, you know how I know you're not a Big Ten fan because this man has spent his whole life talking about the SEC and all the problems of the SEC. But let me tell you what happened when when the CFP Final Four happened and Michigan was playing Alabama. All of a sudden, my man Brandon Pope was like, hey, Lawrence, can I get some Bama gear? Can I get something? Can I get a hat? Roll Tide? Like all that stuff. So you can you can save you're a fan of the Big Ten. You're specifically a fan of Ohio State. You were saying. Okay. Okay. I'm an Ohio State fan. Who ha- he, hey, he had to. This is a journalist right here. He said, let's correct the record. <laughs> Do you blame me for the Bama loss? No. Okay. No. I, I blame a lot of other things, like their center okay. for the loss. Okay. I've got that off my conscience then. Good. Like, oh. Hope it wasn't you. It. You didn't. You didn't hold down the bandwagon so that they they would. We had room for you. It was totally fine. <laughs> but the things Kevin Warren did as Big Ten commissioner were huge. Uh, some would say batty in USC and UCLA. But to have that sort of vision, which now has just shifted the whole dynamic of college sports, and then to see him come in um, to the NFL, and uh, obviously he makes it clear: I want to build a stadium. He was brought here to build a stadium and that's what the resume shows I, I'm just I'm very fascinated to see what that's going to look like and so getting to know the man behind it and seeing some of his vision and what makes him tick I thought that was pretty captivating and I hope uh, those who are able to watch this uh, feel the same I mean to me also though is the fact that this is a new president for the Bears when they hadn't had one since 1999 right. it's, it's not just the background of his resume it's that the last guy came up through the organization they were comfortable with him yeah. He's going to bring a different perspective. He's going to bring different ideas. I feel like the Bears have done their best to try to be like, this is why it's okay that we have him and done these stories. But it, it it's also about being different and, frankly, being a black man in a corporate white American society a lot mm-hmm. of times in the NFL and, and how that intersected, I think, too. Yeah, I, I think you if you talk to the people that work within that building in Hallis Hall, I mean, those who work in the cafeteria I'm talking about, those who just everyone, uh, those who are cleaning, Everyone there loves Kevin Warren. They felt an immediate culture shift in the building. And while they may be a losing team wins-wise, when I walk in even, I feel an energy, a hope, an optimism. I think part of that's just the guy he is. That's the brand he puts forward, is that hope and optimism. That's got to materialize, obviously, on the field. Uh, But he's doing the culture job very well. And him being a black man doing that, too, I've already seen a shift, too, in how the Bears approach uh, DEI and diversity, equity and inclusion. We're at a time now where multiple companies and corporations uh, want DEI to die. The 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 post George Floyd boom of, you know, supporting the marginalized has kind of been 
wiped away all of a sudden. Um, and the Bears have dug their heels in and said, nah, we have to commit. Kevin Warren digs his heels in, reaches out directly to organizations like NABJ, like the NAACP to say, hey, how can we be involved to make an impact? And what I like about it is what the misunderstanding that bothers me when it comes to DEI. Mm-hmm. It's not about support. Mm. It isn't necessarily saying we're just doing this for you or yeah. for these communities. It's good business. Absolutely. When you ha- if you actually look at the results, when you have more people at the decision-making level with different life experiences as parts of different communities, it makes your business better and more flexible and more aware and more sensitive and more empathetic and more productive. They need you in those boardrooms saying exactly that. That's exactly the pitch right there. Uh, DEI makes money. Yes. <laughs> diverse. The more diverse your audience is and the, the more diverse audiences you appeal to, the more you're going to bring in. If the Bears just appeal to one stale, old, traditional 85 Bears vision. Hey, I'm right here. I, <laughs> I think he's talking about me. That but one. I'm not sure. <laughs> that I don't know so much about it. I think he's talking about me. If they appeal to just that, they just start to kind of decay and become a fossil. You know, you have to get hip and realize our country is getting more diverse. Your fan base is getting more diverse. Your your team, your quarterback room got more diverse, right? And with that and that infusion of energy, you got to appeal to those and get more people to watch. And I think the other thing we have to factor in, too, is we're seeing just from a large perspective media-wise, less people are watching TV, less people are watching live sports. They're watching the highlights. What the NBA is seeing right now, though, is these kids – They're on TikTok. They're on Reels. They love those highlights, right? And that's what's drawing people to actually watch the games. The Bears and other sports teams, they have to understand you got to get hit with the times. And I think by bringing in Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles, some younger energy as well helps to do that. I wanted to. Can we share some of the stuff that Absolutely. you guys had? I didn't WCIU? know if you guys wanted to toss to it or me. I, I, I'll, I'll I, let y'all do that. We can we can toss to it. Look, why don't <laughs> Why don't we start with Ryan Poles and the, you you asked him the question about his experience in his life and what really shaped him as a person and who he's become now as the GM of the Bears. Nothing really came easy for me ever. There's always a level of patience in my development. If that was just working through school, if that was you know being a Division One athlete. If that was, you know, trying to be a starter at Boston College and to kind of have them to work through my freshman and, and sophomore year and seeing NFL players around me and wondering, when am I going to play? That goes to going through regime changes in Kansas City, where I had different bosses that I had to work for and, and really starting from the bottom there and grinding my way to the top and, and taking advice and being very observant of what's going on. And, and I tap into that every single day that I'm, I'm in this chair. How much time did you get to spend with these guys? Man, uh, so for polls, we got a nice 45 minutes with him. Um, and it's, it, it helped that, I mean, I've talked to this guy before. So I think he he felt comfortable with me being able to just, you know, drop the guard and just talk about yourself, right? And then Warren, uh, Warren's a talker. <laughs> that man is long-winded. So, yeah, we've had about an hour, hour 30 minutes with him. Um, two great dudes. And you, you heard you heard Poles' story right there. Uh, when you when you face that adversity, it's very easy once you get those doors slammed in your face to just, all right, let's try something else. He said, now nah, I'm going to break the door down and try uh, and, and dedicate myself to this dream. What did they talk about when it came to opportunities and the ones that they had? Did they expand on that? Because I feel like that's a big part of the discussion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
the big thing is just they talked about seizing the opportunities they have and not looking, you know, keeping those blinders up, which is something I kind of relate to as well. Um, it's very easy to focus on other people's journey, who is, you know, accelerating further than you, what promotions they're getting, what jobs they're getting. And he, he talked very frankly about that. There were oppor- there were times he's trying to rise to the front office and he's seeing other people get gigs and he's thinking, wow, am, am I getting a message sent here to me that maybe something else needs to go on? And eventually the right gig came and he's hoping that is here at Hallis Hall, the Chicago Bears. So if you keep the blinders up, keep that focus – um, and just focus on the road ahead, you can get there. And I think Poles is a great example of that. Why don't we take a listen to what Kevin Warren told you about what his experience has been like and what he hopes to bring to the job of president of the Bears. I am so laser focused to make sure that I do everything I possibly can. I dream about it every day to be able to hand that Super Bowl trophy over to the McCaskey family. I dream about it every day where our Super Bowl parade is going to believe, uh, be, be held. I dream about it every day the ribbon cutting for our new stadium. Uh, I dream about when an app or Google or someone from Nike calls and says, can we come spend a day with you because you all are doing it the right way. And so that, that's how I look, and that's why I'm so excited. I don't use an alarm. I'm so excited to wake up in the morning. and You don't and, use an alarm. I don't use an alarm. <laughs> that blew my mind. 4.30. <laughs> blew my mind. No Impossible. Alarm. Impossible. But, yeah, this guy's drive, this energy. They all are going to say they want to win a Super Bowl. I mean, that's every person you talk to that's in NFL leadership, uh, what they're doing to do that. The Bears, as we know, have a great opportunity to build something incredible here. They just have to put the right pieces in place. Um, But the energy in that building and what the momentum looks like, uh, sky's the limit, you would think. Man, I hope you're right. I I, I know we're (laughs) we're still in the honeymoon period here, and he's a hell of a politician. Yep. And he has been. He could run for office. He really could. He may. He might. And, and that's why, you know, at every stop, you know, you, you, you look at sort of where, you know, why these jobs have been where they've been for him at what times. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't rule that out because he does, he carries himself with that kind of demeanor. Seems to have pretty good timing, too, you know, of when opportunities come up and finding, oh, okay, well, here's the next thing that I can do. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would be surprised if, if Roger Goodell were to be infirmed or retire, that Kevin Warren's name would pop up as a possible replacement as commissioner of the NFL. Before we let you go, I wanted to ask you this about polls, too. To what extent do you think the connection and the experience with Kansas City is meaningful? Because here's Kansas City in yet another Super Bowl, and obviously we know that's the way businesses operate, not even just football, where, look, you're part of something successful. You've got institutional knowledge that can help our business. Have you recognized anything from that that's meaningful to what he's doing with the Bears? I think that's his fuel. I think that's a big part of his fuel. He understands what a winning culture looks like, and he's been part of that structure to win a Super Bowl. Um, And Look, he hasn't said this directly, but I know he feels it. He's going to watch this this game Sunday with a little bit of a uh, little spice, a little, little angst, because that's where he wants to be. And he's got a grand vision to be a great GM for the Bears and bring great opportunity and wins to the city. Um, he got the roadmap he believes to do it through Kansas City. I think you can kind of see that in some of the moves he's making. You could argue Kansas City has been a team. Yes, they got Patrick Mahomes. We all know that. 
but they've done a great job drafting overall, great pieces around Mahomes and especially on that defensive line, which no one really talks about. But that defense this year has been the star all because of what they've built over there in Kansas City. He's very much a guy. He believes in line play. He wants to build in the trenches first and build outside from there. Uh, the Montez sweat pick, a big example of that. So, um, you know, the time is going to tell ultimately what the wins losses are going to look like. But Kansas City is definitely a roadmap for him and how he wants to build this thing out. B Pope, man, we appreciate you coming by. When can people see the entire piece? Thursday at 7 p.m. on WCIU's On the Block is when the Ryan Poles piece uh, will, will uh, premiere. And then uh, Kevin Warren, February 15th, Thursday, February 15th, right after Valentine's Day. Show some love um, on the block <laughs> <laughs> on WCIU. And thank you guys for having me and uh, having a great discussion. Uh, and uh, let's let's go Bears. Yeah. I also want to say On the Block is, uh, is part of Block Club Chicago. Absolutely. Uh, just shout out to everything that Block Club Chicago has done and is doing in uh, the current environment for journalists to have that sort of of grassroots level journalism in a city this size is important and appreciated. It's huge. I, I can't sing Block Club Chicago's praises enough. One of the most impactful journalism organizations in the country. And uh, having a TV wing to it, I think, is a big part of that. Congratulations on your Emmy, by the way. Thanks a lot, bro. I appreciate it. Where is it sitting? <laughs> I didn't want to be one of those people that has it, like, in their you Zoom window. You should have window worn it, like, zooming. Flavor Flav in here. <laughs> at a chain? <laughs> Just walk around with it in one hand at all times. Be a heavy chain. My chain heavy. Yeah, my chain heavy. No, I'm not that obnoxious. But uh, I'm hoping it's not the last one, so... You know, like, yeah, but it was a pretty big deal, you guys winning in the category that you won. Yeah, yeah, it, it felt good. In the moment, I couldn't believe it. I'm still humbled by it all. We have an incredible team back there. It really, I really don't see it as my award. It's a, it's a team award. Neither does your boss. She sees it as hers. It is hers. Exactly. <laughs> hey, all the love to Afia. Absolutely. It's, there it is. She's the Kevin Warren over there. She, okay. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks Thank so much. you, guys. Thanks, Brandon. Brandon Pope, host of On the Block on CW26. Uh, when we come back, some people in the world of tennis are talking about the television business, an incredible invention from some of these sports networks right now. It's really amazing what they've come together. It is. Isn't this incredible? I can't wait to talk about this newfangled thing that they've created for us. Yep. It's it's a miracle that this has never been thought of before. The market's never seen anything like it. It's a true disruptor. That's next on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2. On Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. So sometimes you just have to hand it to the corporate sports media overlords. They come up with something and you think, whoa, mind blown. Because we've gotten into this fragmented, fractured viewing world in which we have to keep downloading all these different apps and paying all these different fees to keep getting the sports that we want. And then teams and leagues make their deals with these leagues so they can have these exclusive opportunities to bring in this revenue. And you're like, wow, do I have this? Do I have this? And now I've got to download this and I can't find this. And this is on Peacock and this is on Amazon. And where's the game? Won't someone help me? 
well, I think they've they've found something with a brand new invention. Seems revolutionary to me. Where ESPN and Fox and TNT, TNT, and all of these, they've come together. They're going to create a single app mm. where you get all of the sports channels bundled together, so almost you, like a tier. Correct. Like a tier. Very much so. Like, like so a, like you're probably paying less because more people are going to get the combined service? Yeah, it's a it's a combination like a tier of nothing but the sports that you crave. So, so what you're saying is that if I'm a sports fan. Correct. I could pay a premium for all of the places where all the sports are. Exactly. Huh. So, like, say I want an extra network or a different sport that's carried on a particular network, I could just buy the group and then also maybe see other games that I was interested in seeing. Or maybe even stuff that you aren't that interested in seeing because it just happens to be on that network at that time. But it's okay because cost is controlled because so many people are buying it, so therefore enough percentages of enough people are actually going to watch it at once? Ideally, yes. And this is a great question from the 773. How are they bundling these services together with with some sort of, of tie or tether or... Cable? What? What? You mean to tell me that they might all be together on one single service? It sounds an awful lot like the direct TV that I have that comes right into the house through a core. I have Xfinity. And you know what it has? What? A premium sports tier. That it, but it doesn't have all of the same sports. It in- does, <gasps> Dan. They're all the in the same you place. Say. As a matter of fact, I can hit the C button on my remote on Xfinity, and it'll tell me what sports are happening at what time, and then what network that they're on. And if it's live, this I can hit another be. button, and then I can just go to that. I have be. RCN and refuse to buy anything extra because they make me have RCN. <laughs> they also have TiVo. But they've, they're they've, not like it, you're forcing is, me into your customership. I'm not giving you any more money. This is genius. It's absolute genius. They've taken something that was invented in the late 1970s and they're rolling it out again. Hey guys, but here's the thing we're just going to charge you more. Yep. Hey! And we're going to take some stuff and make it exclusive. We're going to charge you a convenience fee. There's going to be another tier inside of the tier. Mm. Or you could just, hear me out, have cable. You could. I heard you like tiers, so we put a tier inside your Because, say, what if you you have layers? They're like an onion. And you don't want to watch just sports. We're all about maybe you want to here. watch. Maybe you want to watch the news. Maybe you want to watch Bravo. Maybe you like a movie or two. I have a place where you can get all of that in a single bill. I know it's crazy. We're all about onions on this show. We learned that yesterday. Onions. I'm into it because I- because we we were told yesterday <laughs> that the onion is the most underrated, underrated vegetable. fruit or vegetable. Onions, baby onions. In the wor- in the world, I just I, and I know Chuck does onions, baby onions, but I'm 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 an old school Bill Raftery guy when it when it comes to when it comes to that no onions. So as a, at a very young age, wait a second, are you telling people to stop collaborate and listen? I am back with a brand new invention, <laughs> something that resembles a lot like cable. Yes, <laughs> just, just all of its cable. 
Just promise me that when you and go Deadpool. to when you shop at Mariano's or Kroger, where it's got where, where it tells you to put whatever you just scanned in your bag. And from a very, very young age, ever when I would be shopping with Jason, anytime it would say, we'd weigh the onion, it would say the express checkout says, put your onions in the bag. <laughs> yes, which that's that's the proper response. And I explained and what with the term, oh, look at the onions, major league onions, that if once you are prompted by the robot to place your onions in the bag, First of all, don't do that. It's not because you'll get arrested. But it's mandatory that you must say onions <laughs> enough to make people around you uncomfortable. I just get the one. Place your onion. But it in doesn't the bag. know it's one. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. Oh. It only knows it always it's always plural. Huh. Because it, it doesn't know from the weight. Oh yeah, it's it's just describing onions. The yep. multiple union of, unit of measurement. That's right. Whether it's green onion, whether it's yellow, <laughs> red, <laughs> Vidalia, whatever <laughs> it may be, <laughs> put your onions in Grace the bag. Baby Indiana. onion. <laughs> well, baby onion's good too. Or, and here's a hack the Mexican knob onions, which are the same as scallions, are actually less expensive for more. Onions. So you're saying that Mexican labor is cheaper? Is that I'm, what you're I'm saying? The the knob onions. I got you, Ray. Are, Thank you. Are twenty percent cheaper? What what Ray? Than what, the what, Ray? What he's trying to do is he's like, oh no, just go to the Home Depot, like, and get your onions there. Yeah, get get yeah. Get your I, see Mexican, you, I see what you're on. Get Dan. your Mexican onions. onions. There it is. Onions. And then and then you put those on onions. the on the grill. You take those those the knob onions and you salt them, put a little olive oil on, them and and set them. You got a char on there. Come on, yar. Mm. What? Oh, that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Misplaced yar in twenty twenty four. That was my New Year's resolution. It is successful so far. When we come back, you said that uh, Casey Johnson was at the, the the driest possible martini level of Casey Johnson. Yeah, we got to see the full Casey humor on display last night, if you were paying attention. That's next on The Score. Onions. How do you say onions, baby onions in French? Onion, baby onions. Okay. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. On the inbounds with 14 on the clock, Kobe. Kobe creating. Kobe double on the ball. Kobe works on Carl Anthony Towns. Watson it, feels it, steps back. Got it! Big time, Onions! You gotta love Kobe White! Three ball, and it's a 109, 107 minutes of the ball game with 345 and running here in the fourth quarter. Did you guys hear the person who was screaming in the background of the field mics pretty audibly? Yes. It it, it cracked me up the entire game. It wasn't it wasn't that hell, but it was uh it was pretty amusing. Like whatever it was 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 cracking me up the whole game. Shout out to everyone who said hello last night because I was there on on the 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 floor. So people as they were coming into United Center, a bunch of guys who were very nice. It was like they liked the show. Uh, I forgot. Chris Hine told me to tell you hello. Oh, how's he doing? The fabulous, lovely Chris he Hine. Is awesome. Was I went? I made it a, a whole deal. I was like, I gotta talk to my guy Chris Hine. And great uh, Twitter follow for stuff beyond his basketball coverage as well. But now, like, there's real reason to follow him for the basketball coverage because the Timberwolves are so good. But 
it was great to see him and a lot of other people at the game last night, but he wanted me specifically to tell you hello. Thank you. You want to come out and see us? You can on Sunday. You can join 670 The Score and Circus Sports Illinois for our big game party. It's Sunday. Benchmark in Old Town. Mully and Haw, Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi, Parkins, and Spiegel. And we're broadcasting live from 12 to 3 to get you ready for the big game between Kansas City and San Francisco. You must have at least $100 in your Circus Sports Illinois app to attend. Doors open at noon. There will be live entertainment. I assume that's the show, right? We're the live we entertainment. We are the yes. live entertainment. Okay. We're the live entertainment. And complimentary game day bites. That's why it's a little redundant. You do not get to live. bite us, though. And, no. Well, maybe. Bernstein can... might say bite me, but he doesn't mean it literally. Well, you never know. Go to circusports.com to Hello. sign up for the invite and more info. Oh, my God. <laughs> put me think, on YouTube. The amount of people who thought that was me. Don't put me on YouTube. I think she's oh my awesome. God. But it wasn't me. I don't think she said that much. God, that no, was it did. It I did might... strike me that for a second before I realized what sound bite that was. I was like, "Why does it? Why do we have a drop of Lalo and Layla's here?" Oh, great response. There it is. God, that was so funny. So, what what caught your ear last night? <laughs> so Casey has subtly joked about how much he's had to interview Kobe White after games because of the performances that he has had late in games, but it became Pete Casey's self-aware, dry, funny moment at the end of last night's game. Kobe White is with KC Johnson. Hi, Kobe. Kobe, I'm interviewing you. You guys obviously uh, fell down by 30 to Sacramento. Look out. Yeah, yeah. This is great TV. Hey, you guys fell down by 30 to Sacramento and almost came back. Tonight, you fall down by 23 and do come back. What was the difference? Uh... Just in that second half, I feel like we played with more pace. We played with more physicality. We played uh, with more intention. Uh, we got to the paint. Yeah, uh, go! They're a great defensive team, obviously number one in the league. So for us, we just wanted to take advantage of stuff and, uh, you know, try to get downhill. What what can a win like this over that good of a team do for you guys? Uh, it can do wonders. We just got to carry it over to this. We got a uh, four-game road trip coming up, so we got a tough little stretch coming up against some really good teams. So for us, we just got to carry it over and uh, continue to build and, and, and uh, progress in the right direction. Do you want to talk about your first half or your second half? <laughs> I don't really want to talk about me Kobe White is the bad man! <laughs> I, really, I really don't want to talk about me at all, man. Great team win, you know what I'm saying? We we we, we battled, we, we did it together. All five of us, did, all, all whatever, 15 of us. I mean it is. So who were the various <laughs> photo bombers in order there? I know Demar was the last one. Right, Demar. I think I want to say Andre, Andre Drummond. Andre yeah. Drummond, and then Patrick Williams, and then Demar. Okay. And uh, I I liked the dad energy from KC also going. Kobe, I'm interviewing you. Kobe, I'm interviewing you. I don't know I, why that yeah. sent me. One, two, three, eyes on me. Their their interviews with each other are super enjoyable because Kobe really loves Casey. Like, yeah, it's it's all it's all a laugh. Like Casey's self aware. It's all a bit of a laugh for him. Yeah, and th- this is great TV. Like other people, it's a very you know big production to do a post game interview. There's a lot that goes into it. Casey's like, hey, hey, I'm interviewing um, you. Yeah, now about that game <laughs> on TV. That was awesome. That's what I'm doing. How about that? I just I had a good laugh at that because they he's made jokes so many times also about him having to talk to him after a game, and Kobe doesn't like being the guy every time. None of them do. No, because it's a team effort. It's a team game. That's how it works. Uh, can you handle speaking of team game? We're gonna leave you solo. Can can you <laughs> handle doing transition by yourself? 
can I handle doing transition by myself? I have Boy. another team that I have to work with. Wow. Well, I mean, I understand that you've got jobs. I that. also have jobs. That's right. You've got multiple jobs. Actually, You're teaching and podcasting. Same team. Yeah, it's literally yeah. the same team. We work on at another place. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I guess the you'll just leave teams. me to my own devices here. Make sure you watch Football Night in Chicago tonight on NBC Sports Chicago because we are going to go to Las Vegas and we're going to talk about some stuff. And the scores, Chris Emma is going to be on the show <gasps> today. Very excited to get him on the show. Well, we've had plenty of big game coverage here on the score, and it's presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular. Feel the heat. Smokeless fire pit. SoloStove.com. Transition. They're going to leave me alone to do it with Parkins and Spiegel. Wish me luck. Some like it hot. Kobe, I'm interviewing you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.